This episode of Burgundy Radio is brought to you by the best time of the year. At long last, playoff hockey has arrived in Denver. near and far, reaching your ears wherever you are. Welcome to Burgundy Radio. I am the voice of Vlad, your host of Burgundy Radio. Joining our starting lineup is Earl 06. Earl, welcome to the playoffs. Here, Vlad. And also joining our starting lineup is Hager Vixen. Jackie, welcome to the postseason. Thank you, thank you. Uh, it's been a little bit since we last gathered around the uh, microphones here, so uh, we'll just recap what's been going on since we last graced the digital airwaves. Uh, once upon a time, a couple weeks ago, the Avs had just won back-to-back games against the LA Kings and New Jersey Devils on ball arena ice, extending their winning streak to eight games at that point in the season. The Avs would wrap up their homestand with a game against the Carolina Hurricanes and a game against the Washington Capitals. Recent signee Ben Myers would make his debut against the Hurricanes, and his debut would be a victorious one as he would score his first-ever NHL goal en route to a 7-4 victory by the Avalanche. Two nights later, the winning streak would come to an end at the hands of the Capitals. The Avs would lose by a score of 3-2. Uh, the Avs uh, go 3-1 and one on the homestand, so not bad as uh, they head for uh, the last road trip of the season. Any thoughts? If any, it's been a little while on <laughs> the two games that we didn't cover in our last episode. It was nice to see Myers make his debut and get his goal on his first shot, like our good friend Kale McCarr. Um Not quite as dramatic, but... Um, yeah, I think he's a guy, obviously, that can't play in the playoffs that <clears throat> we're looking forward to next year. Uh, but it's just nice to see that, that he can handle the NHL at this point. Yeah, I forgot that we hadn't even talked about the Hurricanes game. So this was obviously like the pinnacle, right? They beat a good team in Carolina. They scored a ton of goals against them. And then, of course, the... The fun with Myers getting his first. Um, I don't think he got a point after that, but it, is just, it seems to happen a lot. You know, a lot of guys tend to score on their debuts. I don't know if it's just easier to jump in. You're kind of like not thinking as much. You're kind of running on adrenaline. And then it seems like. You know, maybe it's it's harder as you kind of settle in and you're trying to really learn and, and absorb. But just like that first game, you just you're running on all instincts, and it was cool for him to get that that goal. It's kind of interesting to have like a new player <laughs> just all of a sudden, and then you're part of this team that's gearing up for what's hopefully a very long playoff run, and 
just like, hey, I'm new here. I'm going to play on your team. But he seemed to fit in all right. Um, so, yeah, there, we all predicted or <laughs> we were wondering if they could go undefeated again and they could keep the streak going. I wanted them to at least get to 120 points because that didn't happen. Um, but, yeah, the Carolina game, like I said, it definitely felt like looking back on it now, that was sort of the pinnacle of of the group all together and for the most part and playing well. So, but at least they had that, at least they were able to beat a good team at home like that. And I know Earl had said that Carolina has been sort of iffy the last month or so anyway, but still that was a good and satisfying win. Yeah. Um, and refresh my memory. Is this the game that they clinched the conference? I think so. Yes. Yeah. I, I think so too. Win- so Yeah. That was like the last time. Last meaningful game. <laughs> yeah, right. And then the Washington one, you know, even though this one was like two weeks ago at this point, I didn't think it was that bad. I think it was more low event. And then um, Washington just scored in the in the third period and took it. it. I don't think it was necessarily that bad. And I think Benner felt the that way too they lost but it wasn't like they really played that terrible just kind of was one of those it could go either way i think i remember ovechkin got his goal on the power play and not how you think um he would like with the big shot from the ovechkin spot but he sort of was uncovered by the net and, and scored so there was like some mental errors in this one but i don't think overall it was a bad game it just looks bad when you look at the string that it had started. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I didn't watch the Washington game, but it, just from what I saw highlights-wise and stat-wise, it seemed like Washington kind of played their game and the Avs were like, eh, okay, and just it didn't work out. Yeah, I, it was more low event than I think the Avs would would like. Yeah. The issue I have with the, with the uh, Capitals game was the penalty that Ovechkin drew to put his, you know, the caps on the power play uh, upon the replay, it became pretty noticeable that Ovechkin did a nice uh, sell job to get the call. And then he ends up getting the power play goal to put the caps ahead. Of course, the abs would come back and tie it. But that was the one thing that I, I felt a little bitter about was just, the way that Ovechkin sold it, but it worked. <laughs> I do remember this one was weird officiating, which I guess maybe you could say that happens more often than not, but it was cool that even in the loss that um, Makar and Byram were stars two and three. So um, Byram had a, this really nice play to nuke. I actually had two of them over the course of these two weeks. It was like, that's a good little budding connection there. Byram setting up um, Nuke. So uh, I remember that started this game. And then, yeah, wasn't Byram tripped pretty close near the end of the game? That wasn't called. And and then wasn't there that insane interference call on Makar? <laughs> which <laughs> was not interference. So it, the weird officiating, I think, added to the vibe of this game. But, like, isolated in itself, you weren't that annoyed that they lost this one. It was pretty close. It just, 
you know, Washington got the last goal, and I'm pretty sure the Avs went out extra attacker and couldn't do anything. So, just is what it is for this one. Yep. Unfortunately, that ended up uh, putting the win streak to bed. And starting a new streak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did they ever? <laughs> Next game was the start of a new streak. After the game against the Caps, the Avs would head off for their final road trip of the regular season, beginning on Wednesday, the 20th of April, at Climate Pledge Arena against old friends Jonas Donskoy and Philip Grubauer and the remainder of the Seattle Kraken crew. Uh, I was at this game, and I'm really annoyed that the Avs went down three goals in the first 10 minutes of this contest. But, again, at this point, as Earl had mentioned, the uh, last meaningful regular season game had already happened. The Avs didn't have a whole lot to play for, and they were just clearly had no interest in this one. They did make it a little bit competitive. Um, Kale McCarr did get his... uh, 27th of the season before the first period ended to show a pulse by the Avs and it would be Lekkonen getting uh, another one to pull the Avs within one, but it was the Kraken's night. Final score 3-2, Seattle with the, with the win. Yeah, it was yeah, a bummer. This... <laughs> Go ahead. I, I think this, just, th- this whole road trip kind of uh, was a theme. Uh, you know, I think they clinched. Uh, had a, they had the close game versus Washington, and I, I think they were kind of mailing it in this whole road trip. Um, and it, which and is, is somewhat in, understandable. You had some guys starting to sit. Yeah, still had the injuries to Gabe and and others. Miko was sick. Um, so you're, you know, you're kind of playing a couple guys down and. Not a lot on the line. Yeah, it shouldn't have been like that, but like this is when they decided to keep Taze home from the road trip. And I don't fully buy into the whole, like, they just can't function without him. It certainly doesn't help, right? I mean, he's he is a really good player, and he makes the team better. But it, it's it's not like, well, they, they can't win if Taze is in, in the lineup. And... Like, I like the fact that him being out gave Byram a lot more opportunity. Like, he played 24 minutes in this game, which was the most out of all of the ones in this stretch. But, you know, it gave him time on the power play, the penalty kill. He played a ton with Makar. So, like, for that reason, it shouldn't be that they just can't function without Taze. So... Like, there were some benefits to it, but like you said, then this is when Miko came down with his illness, and this is also where the power play started declining. They didn't score against Washington, and they continued to not score. And, um, like you said, through to the end of the season, really. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like you said, this is where kind of the bad habits started to show up. It, wasn't good that they gave up the first goal in the first minute. It just 
it just seems like it sets such a poor tone to the game when that happens and, and you think well, there's so much time left, it doesn't matter, but it really does seem like if if either team gets the goal that fast, it really does kind of like predict the end of the game. And so like yeah, I mean, Seattle's said, a really trappy team. It's like you don't want to yeah. give them a lead. It's like they suck, but um, yeah, they've been a good defensive team at times, like at least against us. I think all I wouldn't call though, it good. I just like a bad team can play that way and hold a lead. Any, you know, you sure, I guess give teams like that a, a lead. They could do. Right. But but yeah, not only was it a lead, it was then a three goal lead. And it's just right. and they did dig their way out to get two, but it just wasn't it wasn't enough. And so then this, this is, I guess, where you started getting a little bit disappointed, especially since Seattle's not good. I'm pretty sure they finished with bottom three. Yeah. Um, and it was on the road. You know, to be honest, I'm a little, if I'm concerned at all about the rest of the stretch we're going to talk about, and there's definitely reasons, like, like you said, the, these games weren't meaningful. The, the guys that were out of the lineup, but I'm a little concerned about their road play because I don't think they've been quite as strong the entire year on the road. And when you have a stretch like this, I really do think it's punctuated by them being on the road. And it should be noted that uh, uh, Cowdery did come back. Uh, it, this was his first game back since the injury. Uh, so that there's something to be said about that. He did have a he did have an assist on the McCarr goal, so nice way to kind of start settling back in. Uh, yeah, it was good to see him come back, but he definitely hasn't been like as good still. Yeah, and hopefully he can find that switch because he's gonna have to get back to being good, productive. Nas, and not just on the scoreboard productive, like meaning good. <laughs> but anything else, Vlad, to say from your experience at Climate Pledge Arena? Uh, you know, it was it was a good experience. Uh, Abs fans did uh, show up in a nice, you know supportive contingent uh it wasn't to the overwhelming numbers it, as it was in my last road appearance in arizona but it was it was nice to see uh the familiar uh burgundy and blue jerseys uh throughout the uh, the arena the arena is very well done uh it looks very impressive uh i i liken it to just walking into an apple store just based on the aesthetic with video boards everywhere and uh, the way that it's uh, it's laid out is they dug down to put the ice surface in. So street level is your entryway to the upper concourse. And then they have a series of escalators that will take you down to the lower bowl. And that's where you have your restaurants and some other concessions. You, of course, have concessions on the upper level. Uh, uh, they actually have a... Uh, a spot that's uh, support, I think sponsored by Kraken Rum, of course, and they've <laughs> got it all kind of 
done up with like uh, the huge tentacles and the cr- glowing red eye of the Krakens. I thought that was actually a really neat display how they had that set up. Their team store is massive. Uh, they've got this section, this wall section where it has the climate pledge uh, arena word marking, and it's all just done over with plants. And it's all lush and green. You kind of feel like you're in a forest, you know, in a way, at least along that wall. And uh, they they had they had this sign up, and somebody had to have done it for them to even post it. But there was a sign uh, incur- uh, discouraging attendees from touching or eating the plants. So, <laughs> so uh, somebody there's had to have done a it. Reason, yep, there's always a reason for every sign, right? Yeah, warning labels are there for past precedent. But it's very well done. Uh, it's, you know, it's, a, it's by all intents and purposes, it's a brand new building under a, you know, a, a historic shell. And it looks very unassuming on the outside. On the inside, it's, it's very nice. And the, the Kraken fans were very, uh, they were very nice. They were, uh, they were in, into the game. How could you not be getting a goal in the first, you know, <laughs> yeah. 72 seconds of the game and then build a three-goal lead on the best team in the West? They were in it. They are completely into it. And they... Uh, there was a linesman there, Von Rohde, I believe his name was. He was uh, calling it a career, uh, and he had uh, officiated a, a healthy number of games. I think it was a good thousand games or more north of that. And it was his, he was uh, ending his career, and I think he was a Seattle area native. And at the end of the game, the Kraken all gave him uh, handshakes and their congratulations as they skated off the ice. And it was the first three game win streak that the Kraken have ever had in their brief history. We're of course used to, you know, rolling off eight, nine, 10 undefeated months uh, here (laughs) this season. So it kind of seems, you know, like small potatoes to us now, but for a a first year team, for them to, you know, be really excited about a, a three game win streak, I thought was really cool. They're, their game ops are great. Uh, that's one of the things I look at when I'm traveling. Uh, their their in arena DJ is very good. I wanted to take him home, uh, bring him <laughs> back to Ball Arena. Uh, they did not play all the small things in the third period. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good it's a good experience. They've really leaned into the whole aesthetic of their maritime. Uh, uh, surroundings and the whole of the, the whole bit about you know how the kraken being this uh, very powerful creature. So they even had a, one of their local news people record some uh, pre-recorded bits for their uh, their game ops for uh, the pre-game intros, and I thought that was pretty neat to kind of see more of that community support come in and being with you know, an av season ticket holder, you kind of, you see that it's very produced and doesn't feel like it has some of that vibe to it. So to go to these other markets, especially these newer markets, and Vegas was a great example of this, where they leaned into the showmanship and the entertainment aspect over there at T-Mobile and to see kind of a similar thing with the the maritime uh, atmosphere 
that Seattle has. Uh, was cool. They played uh, Nirvana as one of their goal songs uh, after they scored. Uh, so they really kind of leaned into it pretty good. They're, the Kraken were great. Uh, their fans were respectful. They were happy. Uh, so it was kind of a bummer to not see the Avs come out with a win, but after they showed the list on the the twin scoreboards, they called them the twins up there. Uh, on the list of uh, scratches, which I was not aware of when I was up there, because uh, you know I had been a little bit you know disconnected. I had seen that Ranton wasn't going to play, and I saw the list. I was like, oh, good god, <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a game. <laughs> but it was fun. Uh, one of the Kraken fans in the row below us got a laugh. Kind of not really at our expense, but just for the whole folly that we have a former Seattle great Curtis McDermott in the lineup playing that night. So, yeah, I think it's cool to to see you know some of the the newer teams do things like this and, and get into it, draw the fans in with something a little bit more than just hockey. Um, but it's also nice to see like an expansion team that that people might like. <laughs> Yeah, I like the theme stuff, too. I hope to get up there one day and see what it's all about. It'll be interesting to see how they shape their team. Like, they have such a strong identity, like you described, with with the the branding and and the marketing and the logo and everything. And it feels like the team itself still is sort of a bit of a shell. Like how we talked about the only thing that you could really put your finger on was having to play defensive, and that's probably just because there's nothing else they could really do. So it'll be interesting. Plus they have a terrible coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they won't find a good identity until they move on there. But, it, you know, um, at least Beniers had just signed it and was playing in this game. So it was kind of cool to see one of his first games. And he's going to be a good player for them. And we'll see yeah. who they draft this year, add to the stable. And it'll be interesting to see just really how they shape their identity on the ice. because. They definitely aren't there yet. and um, I think that's good, though. I mean, I think we're seeing some of the difficulties Vegas got has gotten themselves into with trying to be you know, a year-in, year-out contender right off the bat. Um, you know, maybe Seattle struggles you know, during the, the same period that we've seen Vegas be good, uh, but afterwards they kind of build something solid for the long term. Definitely. At the day of the game, there there were uh, you know Kraken jerseys all through downtown Seattle when we were at, even just looking down from you know the the balcony of my hotel room. I was like, wow, there's a Grubauer jersey, there's a Giordano jersey, there's I think I even saw somebody with a Beniers jersey at some point. And well, that that's better than the other two. <laughs> and, <laughs> We were at the Mariners game the, the the night before, and we had some folks ask us, "Hey, you guys going to the Kraken game? Oh, that they just signed this guy, uh, Maddie Beniers. He's going to be real awesome. He scored in his first couple of games, and they were real psyched about him." Good, yeah, should they be. should be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to be the face of their team pretty soon. You know, I don't know. That's that's really a good question. I mean, they're going to have a high pick this year, right? Like, they're not going to do any worse than what fourth overall. Yeah. So I guess it just depends. Like Beniers is very much that two-way guy. Like he, he's just not going to be flashy enough. I don't know to be like the face, like he's going to be very good, but it just depends like um, 
who they dropped this year could be more of like the quote unquote star type, but we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, Veneers, from what I've seen, is just a really solid guy. Like if he if he buys into their community and stuff like that and stays long term, I mean, you know, that that could be sort of your leadership star kind of guy. Yeah, especially as the first guy, the first draft pick, and everything, and um. He, he would be sort of their landy and hopefully yeah like their maybe future ranting. captain guy that's there for a decade you hope yeah. so you hope so just we got to see who else they build around yeah but it was a good experience good. I, I, I think uh i think abs fans would be uh i think in some ways a little a little envious about how the setup is over there because again the arena itself is very unassuming and about a lot of places <laughs> yeah i mean that could be a whole nother podcast like what the abs could do it's just like everything they do is really it's like okay enough but they're they just leave so much on the table as far as experience as far as fan connectivity as far as outreach just everything it's they still have something the attitude that people kind of like they'll beat it to death it's just they've always had this attitude of like we're so good you should want to come or and that's everything like all of their events are for season ticket holders i'm a broncos ticket holder i get it like you do expect perks when you have paid that kind of money but you also have to do something to engage the others that aren't and it's just very much a if you want to get behind the velvet rope then you can pay to get behind the velvet rope i'm still waiting for them to unhook the velvet rope (laughs) (laughs) yeah that too so i mean like i said this is be a whole another topic for another day but yeah you just makes you f- feel left wanting more it and they're having such a great season and they're such a great team and, and they have these wonderful players and you just think like isn't that good enough they're good they have all this talent and it's like why why should you just be satisfied with that you could do something amazing you could build connections you could i mean you have so much to market and you're just left with like yeah, they're good and they win. What more do you want? Here's your ball aluminum cup. <laughs> Thanks I'm, for coming. I'm going to mention that because Fan Appreciation Night is going to be talked about when we get to that final regular oh season game at home. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. I'm... You but, set the stage. Yes, but the reason why I say it's unassuming is because most arenas you go to, aside from like the super highly urbanized Madison Square Garden, you're going to find it's surrounded by parking lots. Even at Westgate in Glendale, which we're going to talk about soon, you're going to have parking lots around. Over there at Climate Pledge, there's not a parking lot in sight. How you get there is either through public transit you have the free monorail that'll take you with per, with, with the uh, redemption of a, a game to to the you know to to the game. You can get a free ride on the monorail to go down <laughs> to the arena. 
and people will walk there. There's you know nearby parking because it's in the same in the same complex as uh, Seattle Center, but you wouldn't think like here is you know. Toyota Lot A or Camry Lot B or anything like that. It, you've got a few garages, but it's so green and air, everything is so unassuming. You never know that your your arena is that close by, and you're just like you're in some neighborhood of of downtown. It's like, oh, people are just people just live across the street, which they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's fun. Yeah, we're like, oh, we could, we we have free transit to get to the games, and a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, went up went with us to this game, and she's like, yeah, just download their their special uh, climate pledge Seattle Kraken app, which I didn't even know they had. So like, yeah, just get the app and just um, get the redemption for the the pass. I'm like, wow, that's that's a great that's a great thing to make it easier to have access to the games where you're not having to like come to ball like, well, that'll be $27 to park here or however <laughs> much it is. I'm not, not, I'm not doing that, but, or whatever the light rail fare is now, depending on how far out from the downtown you live. Oh, you just flew in. It'll be $9 from DIA to get to the game. <laughs> yeah. So I they know, they could do a, they could do a lot. They haven't done anything around Ball Arena. There's still Brooklyn, and that's it. Yeah. So, so that's an appeal as a you know for going to those games is you know you don't have to like look for a, a lot to park in. You can just take the free transit in, or if you're nearby, it's. Like I said, people live literally next door to the arena. He's like, oh, I'm just going to go walk across the street. That would be fun. <laughs> but the, the and the lines, uh, there were a lot of lines. Uh, there were a line, excuse me. There was a line snaking out of Climate Pledge to go through their, what they call the armory. And it's like a little indoor shopping pavilion where there's restaurants. And they actually have another team store in there. Uh, it kind of goes through that, and then you catch the monorail, but the monorail runs every three minutes, and there's two monorail tracks, so it's really efficient. Yeah, it sounds cool. I will have to check it out one of these days. Yeah, I I plan on going back. Um, it it was a really f real fun experience, and their their in arena hosts actually reached out to me on social media and uh, said, you know, hope you had a great time coming out and. What a night it was. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, cool. Hey, we had a great time. We'll be back. That, so that was a nice little feather in the cap. So even though the Avs did not win that game, uh, it was still a fun experience and one That's that... good. Yeah. At least they yeah. kind of crawled back. So even though, like, the first period was so annoying, it, they did sort of make a game of it. Yeah. They, they at least showed a little bit of a glimmer of hope that they could just make an attempt to make up for the bad start. And then they would go to Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in full disclosure, uh, since I, I was on vacation for the last week, I did not see either of these games. However, one of us did, and she was further yes. away from all of us. <laughs> 
Well, I yes. watched 34 minutes and 20 seconds of this one. Yes, so I woke up. I was either in the UK or on a boat off the coast of France and Spain watching these games at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I watched all of them. Except for I bailed in the Minnesota game. But I watched every single one of the rest of these games. So just to describe to you all what wondrous things were happening in them. Um, so <laughs> the Edmonton game. So it sounds like I'm the only one that watched this Edmonton game. Um, I watched it until Kane's third goal. Yeah. Well, okay, so it started, Davs were the ones that scored in the first period. Again, another Byram to Nuke connection. So that was cool to see. And then, yeah, it just totally unraveled in the second period where <laughs> Kane got the hat trick. Um, and he is a good, for all his faults, he is a good player, at least. Scored 20 goals, so that's something. But it's just... It is. It's embarrassing when you give up a hat trick like that and all in one period. It's another. It just weird things happen in Edmonton. I don't know if it's like the fast ice or the less oxygen or something that just games in Edmonton turn into this bizarre track meet that the abs get sucked into. And it's been like that for decades now, right? Like, you just can't but help yourself play this way against them. And so, it, and this was also where mistakes started happening more and more. There's uh, yeah, there's more <laughs> breakdowns. There's more, you know, goaltending. Their problems this these last couple of weeks weren't all on goaltending, but you have to put them in there with like some of these were not great. I think this was when Kemper Kane, one of them was a wraparound. Like Kemper wasn't even close to being in net. And it's like, yeah, Kane wasn't covered going around the net, but when he arrives sure on was. the other side <laughs> with with it wide open, it's uh you know that that also doesn't help either. So, well, I mean, I, I think you know, I, I think we've talked about this a lot. Is, is when things start getting unpredictable in front of Darcy Kemper, and, and this isn't Jermaine to Kemper; it's for any goalie. But when but sure that that he, he when people are doing their jobs and you can't predict what's going on in front of you, your job gets really tough. Right, <laughs> like I think, and Frank hasn't been great either, but I think he does better with chaos. And, and Kemper definitely is not, you know, you could even say like Grubauer and Varley were, were better with chaos. It just seems like Kemper does not really thrive in that. Like he can thrive making a lot of saves for sure, but it, it's got to be more because the other team's just getting good shots rather than just total discombobulation. I, I think Varley definitely was a chaos goalie. I, I I don't think Grubauer was enough, but maybe more. But, um, I mean, I, I just think in the NHL, players are too skilled and too able to take advantage of just blown coverages like they had in this game. I mean, 
I oh, like yeah, the this... first period of this game. Like, I, I think the Avs played pretty well. Um, you know, okay. shots were even. It was, you know, it, it was a competitive game. And then I don't know what they did at intermission, but they came out in the second and just like. Oh, I I remember now what happened. It was five on three. They had a five on three at the end of the right. first period. It was so bad. Like, I get frustrated at five on threes because I just think you just have to shoot. You just have to as much as you can, like as much as possible, just shoot. And it seems like they go the opposite where it's like, wow, we have all this room and all this time. We'll just wait and try to pick a corner. And it's like the goalie can see that. You should just shoot. The way you score on a five on three isn't by a great shot. It's from a rebound. Because yeah. there's no way that the defense and the penalty killers can cover the rebounds. Yeah, and this game is completely different if they they score on that five and three. Exactly, <laughs> I think they win the game if they did. And um, I was watching the Sportsnet feed of this, and so of course they're going to find their narrative. But they think the game turned around on the five on three, and you know, yeah. <laughs> I guess you have to believe it, right? Because they then they scored after that. Like this was the game the Avs went zero for six on the power play. Like, it just wasn't good enough. They should have abandoned the first unit after, let's say, like, three of those. Because it just wasn't happening. And then, yeah, I know Miko was out. And Miko is, is such a good power play player. And it, it does affect them. And putting Burkowski over there is not good enough. Like I've said before, he cannot play on the first unit. He is not strong enough on the puck. You just can't have him there. It's not a strength. I mean, that's not why you have him on the ice. Um, I know, but you, you have to keep him off the first power play unit. Like, right. And he just can't you know, keep possession. He's not good on the wall. He's His shot's good, but it is also inaccurate. Like, he's not going to score from there very much. And, and he's not going to help keep the possession or keep the puck in. Like, you just can't have him on that first unit. And it's... He's not the only reason, but yeah, they went over six on the power play, which right. I, I mean, like Berkey's got an amazing shot, but the reason you want him on your power play is to do the zone entries, and you don't need that on the first unit. Um, so you know, keeping him on the second unit is is kind of the way to go. But I realize, you know, you know, I with Miko out, yeah. with Gabe out, you're you're really scratching the bottom of the barrel. So. That's the decision you make, and it's just it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. But th- it's not like they have nobody or no talent. They have options. They could use another defense, and they could have used New Hook. Like it's it's not like they were devoid of anybody that could do anything on the power play. So well, they just need they need to they need to play differently because they they don't have that royal road there. It's like they need to use. Uh, Makar, McKinnon, and Nichushkin, let's say, as a triangle rather than try to beat an umbrella. Um, Yeah, and I know that you don't want to do that for a limited number of games, but that's also on the coaching staff. Like, how bad do you want to win these games or not? If you just want to have your... Not too bad. (laughs) Yeah. And plug in the bag Burkowski over there and you know it doesn't work, then yeah, you're asking for it too. Like, you're not doing enough to help your team to win here. Yeah. But, so, but anyway, they came out for the second and they laid an egg and it, it was terrible. Yeah. You know, it's like you get those two goals right away. Manson takes a penalty. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it was terrible. 
And and as soon as Kane got his hat trick, I was just like, <laughs> I'm done here. Yeah. Because this was, I, I think this was a 30 game. Maybe, maybe it wasn't, but it was, it felt late to me. <laughs> I, it, it was late to me, I'll tell I'm you that. I'm sure it was. <laughs> so late it didn't matter, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So late the sun was rising. <laughs> I was atop the Space Needle during this game, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, wonder how they're doing... Oh. It's a long way down from here, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and then it didn't get better. <laughs> no, I mean, once... I mean, pretty much at that point... You know, they kind of stopped the bleeding a little bit, but... You know, the, the third period really didn't do much for him. Yeah, I can't remember much of the third period. It didn't matter, though, whatever it was. Right. I mean, it was only 4-2, but still, it just... Again, I, I think... I think a lot gets made of it maybe too much sometimes, but I think that 5-on-3 not scoring on it, you're just... You're kind of done after that. Well, it also was that it was so bad, too. Yeah. Like... When you are so bad on on a power play, especially not on an opportunity like that, it is like such a momentum swinger. Yeah. But the road trip wasn't done. <laughs> they still had more fun to come. So the Avs would finish out the road trip in Winnipeg against the Jets. Uh, the, the closest I would even get to this game is listening to Benny and the Jets on the boat cruise <laughs> that I was on while this was going on. So, uh, yeah, uh, it wasn't a 6-3 loss like it was in Edmonton. However, it was a, a loss all the same, 4-1. Uh, but hey, GT Confer scored. I mean, this game was actually closer than it sounds because there wasn't any scoring until the third period. It it was one of those games. It was it was kind of sloggy. I wouldn't say the goaltenders were awesome. I think it was more uh, the the game was kind of back and forth, and nobody was making any shots. Like Connor could have scored like five goals in that game. It, you know, like ended up getting the third goal, which is when I turned it off, but. Uh, you know, you could just tell it was sort of frustrating, sloggy hockey for the ad. I'm trying. Uh, or was it no? Or was it in Edmonton? I can't remember. I think it was the Edmonton game because I remember seeing something uh, while I was gone that uh, they had a, and I may be misremembering, but they had recalled Ananin. Yeah, was it for this game? And then I think Bednar said uh, the plan was for Frank to play this game, which obviously wasn't going to happen. And they also had Ananin come up, which. They didn't even need him to back up. I guess Frank 
felt okay enough to back up by then. Yeah, they called up Vanden for this game after the Edmonton game. Okay, so um, I do think I remember from this one that, like you said, there was no score, so it wasn't like that yeah, it was bad, David but... that hit him in the face, that's right. <laughs> but it was like this one, so the Jets tied it, and then they got they went ahead. And I think after they scored that second one, it was just like the abs were just done and they were ready to get on the bus and get home. It was like, they just kind of fell apart, gave up, whatever. Right. And then Connor scores right after that. And you're just like, okay, (laughs) bye-bye. Yeah. Right. And then you look at it and they gave up 44 shots on goal, which I know veteran doesn't care as much about shots, but it just. When the differential's that much. Yeah, it's not not good. And then, of course, another game, the Avs went power play. But they were... They were ready to come home at this point. And yeah. I will, I'm also going to blame the NHL. I've complained about this several times, but to go back to Winnipeg and Edmonton two weeks after initially going there, it's just dumb. Just stop. But it was different order. <laughs> you could have played two damn games in Winnipeg <laughs> while you were there. It's okay. Yeah. It would not have hurt revenue, for God's sakes. You don't need to go there twice in the span of two weeks. I'd be fine with doing Winnipeg this way, uh, just because it's a division opponent, and obviously it didn't matter now. But um, you know, in the future, I think. You know, maybe keeping the integrity of divisional games is more important. But like Edmonton, you could have gone in there and played too. Sure. I mean anything. Like they just need to do a little bit more of that moving on in the future. So I also like to think that the team is protesting. Like, why the hell are we back up here again? You know, let's just get home and get this over with. Right. And I mean that that whole you could just sense the apathy inflating that locker room as the trip went on. I mean, it was just, I mean, it, it's I, not great to go on a long road trip like that at that time of the year when you just clinched, you know? Yeah. And then you don't win it all on it and it gets more and more measurable. Right. Like, I don't think that the team doesn't care. Like they had the team meetings and everything. Like they, they were not happy. Like they're not used to losing. The fact that okay, now it's how many games in a row? Four games in a row. Like that's embarrassing. Yeah. Like oh, who do the Avs think they are? Now they lost four in a row. But at the same time, it's also like it doesn't matter. It is meaningless. They were missing. Some important pieces. I don't like to use that as an excuse that much because who knows? Like, you're probably going to have to, if you want to win the cup, you're going to have to win missing some key players. That's just the way it's going to go. So, in this case, you're you're not able to prepare for how you know it's going to be at the beginning of the playoffs. So, it's there's a sense of just spinning wheels. You're, You're not accomplishing anything as far as preparation. Right. You don't have your team together and there's nothing you can do about that. And I think it was the right call. Like 
maybe that will be a competitive advantage down the road that they had the luxury to get guys better and that you're not dragging them through the playoffs from day one that, you know, Landy got an issue taken care of that Sam got rest, that Taze got rest, you know, all these things, maybe Miko and, and Kadri will be fresher because they had some time off and, you know, you hope that it pays dividends down the road. So I don't disagree with what they did. I don't think it sent a message like we don't care or we don't care about winning anymore, but it is. Other teams were doing it too. So it's definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, and I know like all the fans were saying, Oh, rest everybody who cares anymore. But when you're 11, you're, it's annoying, right? It's annoying to see them lose and lose again, especially on mistakes too. And you're just like, we're better than this, even though we don't have like, let's say Miko. That's not a reason to not score a power play goal in two weeks. So after the road trip, the Avs come home for their final two games of the home schedule and their final uh, match against the uh, St. Louis Blues. Uh, the Avs had not seen the Blues in some time. Uh, so both clubs had a little bit of a different look to them from the last time that they had all uh, gathered. Uh, no scoring in the first period, but the Avs would roar out to a uh, 3-0 lead off the goals by Valeri Dutrushkin, Eric Johnson, and Josh Manson. And it would be uh, old friend of the show, Brandon Saad, on the power play to put the Blues on the board. All that happened in the second period. Arturi Lekkinen would put the Avs up by three once again. But it would be... Nine seconds into the third period. That was amazing. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> that was a big goal, too. Yeah. Uh, it would also be uh, another former, uh, maybe friend is a very loose application in uh, this, uh, <laughs> when it comes to this particular character. Ha. But it's Ryan O'Reilly uh, to pull the blues within one. Uh, Jordan Bennington would get pulled for the extra attacker, and uh, Nazem Kadri would uh, make good on the empty net for his 27th, and that's your final 5 3 Avs win. And they tie the franchise record in points at 118 on this uh, victory. Yeah, this was just, definitely signs of life. Yeah, not just because they won, even though they definitely needed to to win a game at some point, but they played better. Um, they were more physical. Like. They were ready for the Blues. I think they, they were back at home, and I think that rejuvenated them. And I think they were ready to get sort of in that playoff mindset that everyone was playing a little bit more physical, that they weren't going to take it from the Blues. Um, you saw, like, Byram in particular turned it up a notch in that aspect. And, like, this game just felt better. It was abs hockey. It was timely scoring. Yeah, it got annoying late with, the extra attacker goals, but truly this game was like a four to one game. So that's Pretty what you want to see. Um, yeah. The Lekkonen goal at the very beginning of the third, just really set the tone. Like it's just, 
we all know the goals at the very beginning or end of periods just are such tone setters and just to come out and get that fourth goal was was really nice um yeah because i mean you know st louis is like rah rah intermission let's get back into this one and like right off the face off it's suddenly leckonen's there and it's in the net so i think uh this was probably their best effort and i i think you can feel better about this one um it's also nice that this was the national tv game they actually played decent in (laughs) so yeah that was helpful. Uh, I, I can't imagine how insufferable this broadcast was uh, talking about the Blues team record point streak that apparently was in effect on this. And to see that get squashed, uh, I'm sure, was very satisfying. There's something like 15, 16 games. That's... I think it was 16 games, yeah. Yeah, 16 Bennington was and, losing his shit because he no, couldn't stop anything. he was, anything. too. <laughs> it was vintage Bennington. It was. Like, he just, he's not in control. Like, you can just get under his skin so easily. And yeah. um, I think it's very possible the Avs could play him in the second round. So I think it was a nice little, and we hadn't played the Blues in a long time. Our, our first two games against them were very early. So. It was nice to get this one for all those reasons. And just to, hey, maybe we'll see them in the second round. And it's it was a good tone setter. And there was a lot riding on this game for St. Louis. Uh, they have been uh, locked into the uh, who gets home ice uh, battle with the Minnesota Wild in their first round match. And ultimately, it didn't matter because the Blues lost and so did the Wild. <laughs> I can shout out to Arizona for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Arizona really had a hand in how this divisi- division shook out, didn't they? <laughs> oh, did they ever? <laughs> <laughs> so it was good to give the Avs at least, uh, or the Avs fans rather, a, a good, uh, I think this was probably more the fan appreciation night than the, upcoming fan appreciation that that was supposed <laughs> to happen because you, you knew the abs had to get up for this game because they know it's a it's a division opponent to a potential future playoff opponent and they they couldn't just you know shove this one in the bag they they, they couldn't do that to me again after seeing them and see but uh it was good to see it was good to see them do that and i'm I don't know if this stood out to either of you, but the way that they handled that final face-off before Kadri got the game-winning, not game-winning, but the uh, insurance goal, I thought how they set that play up was pretty pretty slick. With yeah. uh, Naz just... Comfer actually pushing it ahead. Wasn't it ahead of O'Reilly? Like, Comfer did it? Yeah, O'Reilly won the face-off. I mean, he drew it back, so you call that a win, even though it's not. And Comfer got around him and then tapped it to Naz. Yeah, that that was uh that was really slick because I thought, well, shouldn't Kadri be taking this uh, face off against O'Reilly? And then, oh, if that's how they drew it up, do that again. Yeah, it could have been what side of the ice it was on. His Benner gets really in his left, right, depending on which dot it's on. So, if... so that could have yeah, been the, line, the but... defensive zone on that side. You would want the right hand taken. Yeah. But 
but hey, yeah, like it. It was nice to finally win in, in a pretty satisfying fashion, I think. Yeah, and I think I don't know. I, I'd say the Blues are probably the closest thing to a rival that the Avs have. I mean, you sort of have Minnesota, even though I I don't think that's I think Minnesota's more. I honestly think Minnesota's more rival. I mean, I think the games are more contentious, but I think just long-term with, you know, how the the Avs played them in the playoffs uh, last year and the game at 82 situation and things like that. You know, they've just been, uh, you know, close together at this time of year a lot. I think St. Louis, Dallas, and Minnesota are sort of the, the trio um, and for me, like Winnipeg, Nashville, and Chicago are less like they're obviously division opponents, but you're right. It's not like the same kind of drama. It's not the same kind of, you just can't be a fan of the abs and find anything redeeming about either of those three teams. Yeah. I mean, I, and, I think, I think, they hate Na- yet. <clears throat> I think they hate Nashville, but it's not like in a rivalry way. <laughs> But, I mean, sure, the Blues are always... It always feels good to beat the Blues, right? I mean, you're just... Well, I think there's something to be said about that. And uh, if you look at the fortunes of how the Blues and the Avs have kind of evolved over the course of... Well, since the start of the Patrick Wire, I'll just say that. Uh, And I was going to a lot of Blues-Avs games out in St. Louis during that time and the, the Avs never won out there when I would, when I would visit. So maybe yeah. I was the reason why, but uh, the blues always had the, the Avs number and enterprise center is not an easy building to win in at least not at that time. And then as the Avs turned the quarter and started becoming, you know, into coming into their window, it's gotten to the point where now the Avs pulled even and now have overtaken St. Louis in terms of who has the swagger between both clubs yeah, I mean, I think last year's playoff series, you know, those were kicking the nuts for them. <laughs> well, we'll see if we get the rematch or not. Well, we'll see what kind of bulletin board material we get out of their captain this time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it. Yeah, what, what else is he going to say? But uh, not that when you get swept. <laughs> And it's easy to dislike Minnesota because, you know, the Avs, of course, have not had a good playoff history with them. Uh, again, Minnesota's kind of had their had their number during the Patrick Watt era. And, oh. Patrick Watt fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just like with St. Louis... The Avs turned the corner around. They were able to finally start winning at XL Energy Center, started applying the same sort of dominance here at home. Those beatdowns of Dubnik, uh, you know, on Milan Hayduk night, you know, multiple beatdowns of the Wild started tr- turning that around. So I think there's a healthy dislike of both of those clubs. And of course, Dallas, you, you can't help but not think of the conference finals in 99 and 2000 or 2000. Yeah. 99, 2000 about uh, how close they got. For me, I, th- I think Minnesota is the, the actual rival because 
it's not even so much about how we feel about them. It's also how they feel about us. And I just don't think St. Louis thinks of us as their main rival. It Like, the Minnesota goes all the way back to the Northwest Division, right? Like, we've always been in the same division as them. Yeah, um, and that's a good point, because even in my time in St. Louis, they would always say, no, it's Chicago. Chicago's our, our main yeah. rival. And I've been I to a Blues. I mean, St. Louis, Chicago is a rivalry that transcends sports, too. I mean, it's baseball, all that. Yeah. And right, I went, exactly. I've been to a Blues-Blackhawks game, and I was like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> Makes more sense now. So, yeah, I can see that. Uh, and with Minnesota kind of being the a, a younger franchise in terms of, you know, how long they've been around. And the Avs, you know, neither of those clubs have been around as long as St. Louis has. So maybe that's... And you see it in, in just how, like, Minnesota fans lost their shit when Myers signed with us. It just, things like that show just the disdain, how it works both ways. Yeah, and kind of like that uncomfortable feeling that Avs fans probably had when we traded for Dubnik. It's like, oh. Yikes. It's a weird that we gave them Tyson Jost, but I guess we'll, we still have a game with them to discuss. So or on Tyson Jost later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But always nice to beat St. Louis. Always nice. Yes. Agreed. Uh, so, uh, a funny thing happened between the Avs uh, game against the Blues and their game against Nashville. Uh, we finally decided we found if was finally d- decided who the final wild card spots were going to be. Uh, it came down to the Dallas Stars and the Nashville Predators. In hilarious fashion, the Blackhawks uh, ended up defeating the Golden Knights in a shootout, but it would be the Dallas Stars that would end up eliminating the Golden Knights from the postseason, getting to overtime against the Arizona Coyotes, who then defeated them in overtime. So the Coyotes strike again. <laughs> yeah, and of course, everyone had been watching Vegas the last, I mean, couple months, but for sure the last weeks here down the stretch. And um, just to see their collapse was, <laughs> I- I'm sure, amusing to just about everybody, but you know, to to do it where you can't win three straight shootouts is <laughs> quite something. Yeah. And then if you're Dallas, hurry, you get in, and then, oops, <laughs> there goes your <laughs> extra point. <laughs> yeah, so they had clinched it with the point anyway, but I'm sure they were annoyed, too, <laughs> with that. And so we had, go ahead. I was just going to say, it was just such a race to the bottom for these last few teams. Like nobody had really played well. So I guess for all those worrying about like what the abs were doing and not playing well during this stretch, a a lot of the teams just trying to make it like Vegas went four, two and four. Nashville went four four and two. Dallas five three and two. <laughs> like it's like, please, who wants to make the playoffs? None of these teams want to come to Denver. 
And that's fine. Yeah. I would take a first round buy. I don't know about you. <laughs> you know, that would be an interesting discussion. I guess. I think they need a little bit of a challenge, but we'll get there when we talk about the actual series. For sure. All right. So, uh, final home game of the regular season schedule, fan appreciation night. I uh, would see the Avs take on the Nashville Predators. Uh, Kale McCarr would uh, get the goal scoring early. Uh, his 28th goal of the season on the power play. Arturi Lekkonen would follow that up just a few minutes later with his 19th of the season. Uh, old friends. This is to be old friends week here on the pod today. But uh, Matt Duchesne would score to cut the Avs lead in half. But Logan O'Connor would put the Avs back ahead by two. Uh, in the second, uh, Ryan Johansson and JT Comfer would uh, trade goals, and Roman Yossi would score on the power play. And I think this was the one where we had to do the review to, oh, determine, yes. to, to determine whether this was a good goal or not. I didn't think it was. Um, <laughs> it it was a lot more of a goal than the one that against Ottawa was scored against them. I, you know, Bettner explained why he didn't challenge. It's because Taze kind of pushed him, and you're just not going to get that if your defending player is initiating contact. So I, th- I think it was the right call. I think as the rule is applied, they applied it right. It just seems dumb that the puck can kind of follow the chaos in the net. But I don't know. It was annoying, but I don't think it was a bad call. Let's just put it that way. I, I was don't e- like I don't like that you can just barrel over the goalie if someone on the other team is touching. Um, and you know, I, I understand the NHL's point of view with like that makes for great TV, so they, they don't really care about goalies. Um, but you know, that's. That for me is not a skill goal. That is, you know, that's just chaos. It's just dumb. It, it's almost like it's it, on the right trajectory as the as the net is moving. It, yeah, it's just more yeah. like luck based. It's not because of like how we shot it or anything. It's just if it's rolling the right way and it goes over the line where the net was, that's considered a goal, even though. It was nowhere near going in like an actual net. I, I, I didn't think there was conclusive evidence to overturn the no goal ru- ruling on the ice, but I think so, Bednar's right. They they would have seen that Taze applied pressure and they weren't going to overturn it. So I'm okay that he didn't challenge there. Also, and I think he also said something like he didn't want to give them an, another power play. Yeah, I think both of those are right. I just I don't I don't like that you can do what he did just because another just because a defender is leaning on. And yeah, I agree with that too because then you could start using that to your advantage. Well, I think he did. Yeah. I well, mean, I'm I, just I, saying I, I think when guys beat someone inside, they tend to know that all right, I've got a, a free shot at the goalie. Yeah. But, but this is a game the Avs should have won. That McCarr yeah. scored first. They 
an early goal too, two minutes in. It was actually a power play goal, the first one in two weeks. And then they had a three to one lead. Like that should have been enough. And a four two lead before Yosi's goal. Like Echo's yeah, goal was too. kind of a howler too. I mean, I, I didn't. That, that's you know that that was kind of a poor goal. Yeah, the, this was the one that the team was probably better than Kemper. I think you could have yeah. set it the other way around for a lot of the other games. Maybe he wasn't perfect, but he definitely the problems were in front of him. This one, it was they needed more saves. Yeah, you know, and Duchesne's goal was a laugher. Uh, like Johansson's goal, like I didn't like that either. And, you know, it's like Yosi's. You like, yeah, you, you know, it's a dumb rule. Yeah, but that's a goal, but and then Eckholm's is not a good goal either. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of just kind of weirdness on both sides. The O'Connor goal itself was pretty dumb. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was it was fun. It was still dumb, but the Johansson goal was also dumb, but in a very less fun way. Yeah, like, goals like O'Connor's goal are, I mean, those are hilarious. I remember when, uh, like, Sam got one of those, like, two years ago. Yep, the Buffalo um, game. Yep, yep. Yeah, it just popped up <laughs> in the middle of the, you know, no one knew where it was. One guy sees it, and he's just like, doo doo Yep, so Eckholm would tie the game at four early in the in the third. We'd go to overtime and nothing would happen, and then we would go to the shootout, and Duchesne is the only uh one to beat uh, uh to beat Kemper. Uh the Avs can't get anything uh past uh, David Riddick. And there's your final five four Predators win in the shootout. Yeah, I mean shootouts or whatever, but it, it just was annoying. It was like you should have won this game. It was at home. You had the lead. And then that, now we're playing them. And it it was like at the time, the win there seemed like that kept them out of facing us in the in the first round. And then, of course, I'm, Dallas would collapse. and Or they would collapse the next night. And then Dallas leapfro- leapfrogged them. But... It it is annoying because you're just going to play them in like two days and just had a game like this. But you could also look at it on the other hand. They need a lot of things to go right for them to get this game, and it's a shootout, so that's a coin flip at that point. So they couldn't even score in overtime, score in the third period. They couldn't bring this game home in regular. And that was one of the most boring overtimes. <laughs> like. I- I mean, a lot of people are saying now, like, you know, coaches have solved three-on-three. It's not fun anymore. It's not exciting. It's it's not a great different way to decide games. And, you know, I, I think we've known that for a couple of years. But, you know, games like this one really show you, like, um, if you're trying to force a shootout, you can do it. I think I saw a percentage now that, like, 60 some percent of games end in the three on three and then like 30 something percent go to shootouts which see that seems about that feels about what happens and that's probably you want to see more games end with a real goal than a shootout goal so right when three on three started it was more like maybe (laughs) 10 to 15 percent we're going to a shootout yeah 
So, so the Avs haven't had that many shootouts. So I think maybe what, like four? Uh, I know they had a fifth. stretch where they had a couple. Maybe it's more than five, but still. I think they were three and one in the shootout coming into this game. Yeah. Um, so it is what it is, but there were some positives. But it would have been nice to have a real good one-two punch with that St. Louis game. Your home games, fan appreciation, yada yada. And I would like to see the video, a video of like them getting the jerseys to the fans. I guess you know that's not of interest to anybody. <laughs> so I know it used to be one of my favorite things for the last home game of the season, and. With right, ESPN, like, they're just not going to show that. Here's yeah, how that changed. <laughs> uh, so the way that they used to do it would, they would call each individual player up to the person that had their number and they would, you know, take the jersey off, sign it, do the little picture bit. And right. that's pretty customary. Uh. And for those that may not know, they, they of course during the game, during the you know TV timeouts, they would put up the numbers on wh- the sections of where fans who would be chosen to go down to get the jerseys. They'd put them on the board. They'd go check in at the specific place in the arena, and then they'd go down to the ice and go on from there. But the way they did it this year, they still did that part. But when it came time to send out to send uh, the folks down for the jerseys, they said. Uh, Introducing the uh, the avalanche the avalanche forwards and all the forwards went out all at the same time, and then they they did it for the defensemen and then they did it for the goalies. They just it took probably less than I would say between five and ten minutes. Were the fans all standing on the blue line like they used to, or they had them uh, on the uh, the goal line? Okay. And, and and like I said, the whole thing went lasted maybe between five and ten minutes. I don't even think it hit ten minutes. I I, I think it was a pro- closer to five. But I thought, what a what a way to recognize your fans and then just try to get them out of there as quickly as possible. <laughs> well, that's the other thing is that we can't even see it. A, it's not shown on the broadcast that anybody can watch legally or illegally. Two. <laughs> They don't even put up a video of that on Twitter or anything for anybody that wants to watch it. Well, it sounds like it sounds like we wouldn't. <laughs> I, I, I was hell? like, "What the?" Hell? I would have felt ripped off as a fan just because I was like, "All right, this is my moment to have my one minute or whatever with said player to do this whole thing," and now it's like. Those for the who- forwards, please step forward. <laughs> I'll also yeah. say it, it, it was a much more big deal to me back when they were not making the playoffs because this was kind of because that was it, yeah, right. Yeah, so I was like, man, it that's a cool moment, but that should kind of like be an individual fan moment, yeah. Along with you know the, the the rest of the people that you're all there with, that's fine, but they're getting their own moment with that player and. It's just like, well, here's everybody coming up. It's like, cool. Uh, that's great. Uh, hey, Ben Myers. Nice to see you. <laughs> <laughs> Although that might be a sweet collector's item at some point down the line. So, sure. 
But I was like, really? They, oh. I, I, th- I thought that was just so disappointing. Well, they didn't even show the intros. I never even saw the season opening intros, which is another sort of thing where you're supposed to kind of like enjoy and appreciate like who's on the opening night lineup and this and that. And they just don't show that either. This is what gets back to like, it just becomes so difficult to be a fan. Like, I don't think, I mean, that's not them. That's more the NHL's TV package these days. Oh, the Avs didn't put up a video. Uh, yeah. It, it's they didn't just put up any like videos until where... about three weeks ago. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, it's just, it's part of that. Like, you want to enjoy it. Like, I get it. The, the team's good. The players are good. Sometimes you want to kind of immerse and enjoy in it. And they make it so difficult to do that. I mean, it's incredibly tough for, you know, a fan like myself that is not able to go to the arena, uh, you know, to get that, you know, sort of feeling of events like this that, you know, are at the arena and are sort of part of the, either the build up or the wind down from games like this. And, and when I, when I got there, uh, of course I knew it was a division game, but I thought, well, at least we'll get the little clappers got. Nope. Those were all gone. When I got there, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, we're you know, a little bit on the you know later side, so maybe they're all gone. But maybe they're going to have some other fan stuff that they did, and a lot, a lot of that stuff they did. And I don't want to get too heavy into the whole, you know, first world problems as a season ticket holder bit. But I thought, okay, well, it at least give something to the fans when they leave the building. <laughs> No. Powerhead? So, <laughs> this, it's not quite as bad <laughs> as the showerhead. <laughs> but it's bad in its own category. And I'll say it like this, because when I went to Seattle and I was doing my little walk around the concourse, uh, they had a station there where you could uh, uh, get a free reusable Seattle Kraken Climate Pledge bag. And it didn't matter who you were, was you know, if you're an Avs fan, Kraken fan, or whatever. They just wanted you to have this bag, you know, as a, you know, to be aware of, you know, their uh, sustainability uh, project they were doing. And they had these little tables out where you can learn more about uh, renewables and stuff. And I was like, okay, that that's cool. And as I'm going down the escalator at Ball Arena on Fan Appreciation Night, here's your free. Ball aluminum cup. <laughs> I'm like, really? Y'all gave me one of these as my exclusive thank you as a season ticket holder during the COVID break. When we had no fans. And they reopened in April of last year as the thank you as a season ticket holder. And you're giving me the same gift again? Yeah. Real appreciated. <laughs> it's like what I noticed that they had Bernie and, um, you know, whatever the Av squad go visit like the teacher of the month or something. Uh, they choose out in the community. And I was looking at one of the pictures of that. They gave her a pennant signed by the team from three years ago. 
Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's not like matinee Barbario, and I was just like, you know, that that's that's some appreciation, ain't it? I mean, I, the only the only thing I mean, they did a little video for the fans, and that's probably because that was like the bare minimum. And they brought back the little the little uh, the little Bernie from you know Next Generation Night, which. I thought was cool. I'll say, all right, they got that that part. That was cool, but that was it. Everything else was just kind of like, well, he can't wait to get his out of the building fast enough, can you? <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I do like the division rivalry. Those you said you can fold them and make them clappers, but they are sort of like a harder plastic. I don't really see like why you'd want to do that. They make nice signs and say like "Beat the Wild" or "Beat the Blues." I will say that. That was like one decent giveaway that they made this year. Yeah, and I missed out on that one too. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I am I am very sympathetic to the plight of the casual non-season ticket member Avalanche fan because there the 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 difference between uh that category and the category I sit in is very razor thin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you have to get like chosen to do anything special. Like the, the people that get the jerseys, they're like chosen. It's not random. And, you know, to get invited to the team sign events that they even do any of those anymore. But you know, I thought it was funny that you'd even be at, like, rookie camp, and you have to be a season ticket holder to get chosen to have, like, the 19-year-old prospects do a signing. <laughs> it's like, come on. But, I mean, this could be a whole show in and of itself, and exactly. maybe it could, it could be, like, an off-season, you know, pod that we do about, yeah. here's some yeah. ideas on how to improve the fan experience. Like I even got I even got surveys from the Coyotes and the Kraken about tell us about your fan experience and then I got another one saying tell us really about your fan experience from like Seattle I think I got it from them. <laughs> you know the Avs do send I do get some from the Avs but a lot of it's just like it's not about the fan experience it's it's more about like the arena experience as far as you know getting in the building restrooms, you know what I mean? Like very yeah. nuts and bolts, sort of like, what was it like coming to our building? Yeah. And right. Our I'm, facility. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, you know, you <laughs> think you need to go a little bit further than that. I, I think the one I filled out for the abs was uh, more of like a marketing based uh, one on a scale of one to 10. Would you uh, bring a client to an avalanche game? Like, Right, something like that. You're just like, uh, what are you talking about? This is what you should really be rating. I might take this survey twice just to say <laughs> I could. I ran out of characters in the last survey, so I'm doing another one <laughs> again. I could go on. <laughs> I, I, I I could go on. I can't wait to see what they do for the global series uh, 
coming up this coming season in Finland against the Blue Jackets. But I'm sure I'll want to pull my hair out at that point again, too, for the uh, exclusive season ticket member travel packages starting at $3,000 a person. <laughs> oh, my God. I'd be like, is that it? Yeah. Um, I guess they did announce that since the last time we've talked and I think it's cool. I, I know that they've tried to do that several years. Uh, they were even thinking about doing that this year because that's why we had that weird week blocked off. We played Columbus twice. So I'm glad, hopefully knock on wood that they will finally get to do that. I think it's a cool experience for the team, you know, thinking like the younger guys being able to go on this trip it would be really special for them. And, and then obviously very special for Miko. I'm sure Lekkonen will still be here. Um, you know, it would Sampo. be a miracle if Sampo was, was with the group, not mm-hmm. counting on it, but um, I don't know. Some people would say it's too much of a distraction or a waste of time, but it's so early in the season that I think it, it can only help. If they have any new guys, uh, we help tap, have them bond and everything. And um, I think they've earned it. They've been a good enough team. Miko's a star player. Like they've earned the right to this kind of, so I'm excited. I'm not going to go, but yeah. And I also think it's super cool for our European fans that maybe aren't able to come to the U S or, you know, just the accessibility that they'll be able to see the team live, which I, I think is, a very cool thing for sure. And uh, Mika will get the uh, recognition that he rightly deserves instead of just being, you know, his uh, yeah, one, ethereal one good... self here. <laughs> right. Think of all the stars. Oh, and Miko Rantanen's good too. And his ghost points, Miko and his ghost points, no ghost points in Finland. Not possible. No, for sure. Maybe he'll have a f- special like meet and greet at his uh, frisbee golf uh, <laughs> yeah. park or his hot tubs. Remember his hot tubs. Hot tub store. <laughs> <laughs> You'd take him all to the sauna. So that's where I'd like to see. You know, please beef up the coverage. Like those are the things that, as fans, we want to see. You know, we want the real behind the scenes stuff. We want to see what their trips like. You know. You just want to enjoy it with them. So, what about Alex Perfect getting a major allergic reaction? That was fun. <laughs> but hey, at least that was something that they shared. So it, it made it interesting. Um, yeah, I remember that trip to Sweden. Of course, you know, the, the Duchesne trade definitely uh, gave that a, a different twist. But um, yeah, that's something I'm looking forward to. So I'm glad they announced it. Yeah. And all that being said, we still have one final regular season game yeah, to talk right. about. The season, the regular season still wasn't over. So at long last, we pull into St. Paul for the final game on the regular season schedule against old friend Tyson Jost and the Minnesota Wild. Uh, yeah, yeah. So less than a minute in, uh, Jordan Greenway uh, gets the goal past Frank. Oops, oops, indeed. <laughs> yeah, that they have to 
be mindful. You can't give up goals that quick. It, it happened way too many times in this last two weeks. <laughs> but Frank didn't have it. Nobody had it. it. And this was the game that, you know, McCarr didn't play. McKinnon didn't play. Like everybody was, everybody of most people of importance were still here. And we did get, get to see, you know, Jacob McDonald return from the dead. So that was nice. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't really understand what they're doing there, but I mean, I don't mind McDonald getting a game, but I, I don't know. It just, <laughs> after all this time, it was kind of bizarre, but, and then, yeah, they called Annan up just to back up and do nothing. And um, I bailed after the first period of this one. It was, I needed real actual sleep because I was on my way home that morning and I had seen enough. <laughs> I knew it wasn't getting any better. I saw McDermott take Felino out, which as much as I have no reason to give McDermott the benefit of the doubt. Like he was not trying to knee the guy. He sure wasn't. I guess the way I don't know. Like I don't even think he led with the knee. I guess the way maybe he was standing. I don't know, but it was more like Felino ran into him. Yeah. More of a weird collision. So no, Felino chipped it past him and tried to get around him, and he couldn't. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like he ran into his knee and hurt himself. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened there. And then O'Connor, he did push. I don't even remember who it was, but um, you know, it it is a dangerous play, but it just had happened to Kadri like either the game before or the one before that. It is dangerous to push a guy when he's that close to the boards, but Minnesota's coach freaking out about it. It's like, don't you remember when one of your thugs did that to Byram in the beginning of the year? So let's just zip it. <laughs> um, so it's bizarre that those two got fined, but whatever. Like, who cares? Um, yeah, this game was trash for sure. <laughs> for sure. It was, it, was trash. it was just penalty after penalty. I mean, it's like, yeah, you had the O'Connor McDermott things. And then, like, I mean, seriously, I think there were 13 penalties in the first period. 13 oh. of them. Every excruciating one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it actually wasn't that bad of a game after that. But, I mean, for what it was, obviously, like, I don't think either team had their best lineup out there. But. Yeah, it was just dumb, too, because we could see them in the second round as well, but, but yeah, there, there was nothing resembling a real lineup here, so whatever. I, and they got Myers into his surprise surprise fifth game. Imagine that. Myers got five games after he signed. What a coincidence. In front of his hometown fans, no less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was nice, at least. I mean, that is probably part of the agreement, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, you're playing in Minnesota. Might want to might wanna play him in that one, but at least they did it. So got to skate in front of friends and family. Good for him. 
But other than that, I'm glad I bailed when I did. Yeah. The regular season ended. <laughs> Sounded like nobody got hurt in this one. So no harm, no foul, whatever. Uh, yeah. I'd... That would that first goal by Greenway would be his uh, one of two that he'd have on the night. The other one being an empty net. Kadri would be the only one to score for the Avs. Uh, and fate has a funny way of uh, showing up. Uh, your game winner, Tyson Jost. Yeah, I did see that one. Yeah, guess he was on the top line this game, which he kind of fancies himself as as that kind of player. Like I even read his quotes. Like he that that's what he wants. Like, I don't know, good luck with that. But then again, this is also a team that had what Hartman as their first center. So maybe it's not a big hill to climb. But I saw their their practice lines today and Joseph's back on the fourth line with Delorier. So that's probably <laughs> where he's going to stay. The dream of another Rock'em Sock'em matchup between McDermott and Delorier, unfortunately, did not come to fruition. Right, they wouldn't even let him fight, which I was like, um, is that the point here? Right, he went after Ke- uh, Keaton Middleton, and, and and just like, he threw his hands up, like, okay, and just skates <laughs> up to the box. <laughs> and it was, they hadn't even really gotten into it, you just like, see them sort of like, start to do the whole positioning, posturing bit, like, What? And then <laughs> it's like, what? You're not letting these two fight? Like that's their reason for existence. Like I, I get it when they step in and they're like, oh, McKinnon can't fight or Landy can't fight, but it's like <laughs> this is what the people pay for. And then if you're Middleton, you're thinking, oh, thank God, he he rocked my <laughs> he, he rocked my basket over in uh, San Jose earlier this season. <laughs> like, whoop, I got out of that one. <laughs> So yeah, I think they just gave them game misconduct just like nothing else would happen, which, you know, I get that too, like... Yeah, I wonder if that's a message to the Avs, like, don't play this guy in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to see... I don't want thug guys get taken out in thuggery, and like, if you, if you want to watch that shit, watch the ECHL. Like, th- this is the NHL, it's... Right, like remember when they used to do that to Bordy, just throw him out of the game before anything happened. <laughs> yeah, like, right. we we don't want this guy in the ice, so he's gonna go bye bye. Yeah, let, yeah, let's just stop this before something something gets started. A whopping sixty-one seconds of ice time. <laughs> well, that'll that won't even bring his average down. So the Avs finished the regular season with 119 points, a new franchise record. And at the conclusion of that contest, they would await the uh, outcome of the uh, games against the uh, Stars and the Ducks and the Predators and the Coyotes. Dallas did win their game, so they moved ahead of the Predators very briefly. And then the Predators roll up four on the Coyotes at Gila River Arena in the first period. And decided that was enough. But I couldn't yeah. I couldn't believe it. The Coyotes <laughs> They apparently just wanted to leave Glendale on good terms. So five four coyotes win. Fans go home happy. 
and the Predators are coming back to Denver on Tuesday to start the playoffs. And it's hilarious because, like, at the end of the Preds game, like, I mean, you didn't get the feeling like this is a matchup we were going to see. You know, I, mean, I think right. both teams were thinking, like, you know, well, we're going to Calgary. They're like, oh, we're getting Dallas. And, you know, that's that's just sort of the way it seems. And, no. you, know, you know, like I had been saying of of the realistic possibilities, I want a Nashville. Well, especially but, with big save Dave and goal. Yeah. I, I don't believe that Saros is out until somebody, until I see somebody report like he is not playing this round. I, don't, I think people are assuming way too much, but I didn't like the rooting against, it wasn't the rooting against Vegas, it was rooting for Dallas. I felt very much like this was a be careful what, for what you wish for scenario. So I like that at the end of the day, this was really out of anyone's hands, I guess you could say. Like, I, I was rooting for it, didn't make it happen, but it just was so unexpected that that this is how it, it shook out. Nobody, even me, nobody in their wildest dream ever imagined that the fate of the Avalanche's playoff round would lie in the yeah. hands of the Arizona Coyotes. Arizona, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, in a way, it is good for them, and it does give a reason for some of these teams that have "quote unquote" nothing to play for. They really can impact what happens; like it's relevant. Just like when the Sharks beat Vegas, like to them, it made what they were doing relevant for one night. Right. Like I mean, on the East Coast, like you saw the Devils playing some fairly meaningful games down the stretch. Um, and, and that's good for a team like them because, you know, I think we project them as being on the rise. Um, yeah, so, well, especially for young players. and Right. And, yeah, like New Jersey is a team we want to see the next step. But we do want to see Arizona take the next step. I think they need to, still need to get a lot of what their future yeah, is going to be. They're not yeah. – they're not close. Like New, <laughs> New Jersey's a lot closer. <laughs> right. But, I mean, New Jersey has their players. They just need the experience. And Arizona doesn't have players yet. They'll be ready yeah. for campus rush coming up in August. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like now is the time for Arizona to start building. Yeah. But hey, good for them that they, they had a hand in these division games. And, and they were the ones that kind of sealed our fate. So... You know, maybe I don't want to regret saying that I'd prefer Nashville over Dallas or Vegas, but um, I think it shook out fine. Like I think, I think the series and the match and everything will be better for it. Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen some quotes on Twitter today saying, you know, like Dallas would have preferred to play the Avalanche in the first round. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, obviously they, you know, the the season record would indicate yeah, it was like they, two and one, sure. Yeah. But and I don't know what the record was against Calgary, but I don't know that that's some high talk, don't you think? <laughs> that's a little. I mean, the abs aren't getting any respect. I mean, it, I don't know if yeah. it's recency bias or they, just, you know, 
they think the abs are frauds, but um, yeah, I mean, it's like you look at the last two weeks, you're looking at the abs like, oh, well, this isn't this isn't good. But uh, yeah, but so so is everybody else. I mean, what did Florida lose like ten to one the other night and ten to um, two? That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Other teams haven't played well. Like you said, Carolina hasn't played well in a long time. You know, Nashville themselves, like I just said, went 4-4-2. and two. So they pretty much backed into the playoffs. And it is funny because you look at the Avs and you say they haven't made it past the second round and they still have to prove themselves. But a lot of the newer, better teams haven't done much either. Like Florida... They didn't even win in the first round last year. Carolina hasn't been to the conference finals. You know, Calgary hasn't even been good for years. You know, who who of the new guard could you say has even, you know, it, we know Toronto's problems. Like, none of, nobody that you would call a front runner this year. I mean, would you even call Tampa a front runner at this point? I guess you have to give them respect because they are they are the back to back champs, but they haven't even been that good this year. Right, I mean, Toronto of- is a heavy favorite series. I'm surprised by that. I mean, I could see why they would be, but I'm a little bit surprised by that. But I guess I'm saying, like any of the better teams, the better you know, the Rangers haven't even haven't even been good for years. Like, who could you even say is that battle tested? You know what I mean? Like, who has really proved it of the good team? So, I mean, if you want to say St. Louis, you know. Yeah, sure. They're the closest of the better teams. Yeah. But, but they've, it, kind of, they've kind of, they've, they've not been bad in a while. I mean, if you're talking like new teams, yeah. I mean, it's like you, you really do want to see, a fi- you know, you, you want to see a final four that doesn't have the same old teams in it. Right, so I'll be interested to see, like, can any of the new good teams break through, or are we just going to see a finals of, like, Pittsburgh and Washington and St. Louis? not going to see Washington. But, but I guess my <laughs> point is, as it relates to the Avs, is, you know, why should everyone be looking at them like, oh, they have improved it? Because none of these other teams that have had the best season this year have proved it either. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it, it's funny how like all season long you hear nothing but like, oh my god, the Avs, Carolina, Florida—they're all so good. <clears throat> and then you know you're you're looking at it like, okay, but you know where's the proof? Yeah, I'd say none of the top seven teams, which are Florida, Colorado, Carolina, Toronto, Minnesota, Calgary, and the Rangers, have proved shit. So why is it just us? I think a lot of people are down on Carolina, too. And it's just, it, it, I mean, both of those are so interesting to me. Um, just, I mean, first of all, just because those are the two teams I probably watch the most. And I'm pretty familiar with them. And I'm just like, I, I realize you might see some statistical problems here, but neither of these teams play in a way that's easy to diagnose statistically. 
Like, it's not easy to just read off the stat sheet and see why the abs are good. Because you're looking at it like, oh, you know, like their expected goals is that good. But it's like, that's not how, you know, how the league determines expected goals is not exactly what the Avalanche try to do. Um, The way the Hurricanes play is just not going to show up on a score sheet the same way. They're not the the old Kings that used to shoot 70 times a game. Um, so I just, I, I think when you're trying to like pick these series based on your statistical models, uh, you're going to get some upsets. Well, I think one thing that makes me feel like, you know, the Avs have a legitimate shot is one, they were good last year and they followed it up with a real Full season, full schedule, playing everybody. They won their division by far, which is which was a difficult division. I mean, every playoff team, the two wild cards came from the division, right? And and that the Avs have been on this building trajectory. Like they aren't just a flash in the pan. They've they've been building for this ever since after the disaster year, and it's like they've incrementally built their game and you'd say like now's the time obviously they have to prove it they have to prove it it's good enough but it's like what more could you want at this point i I think people forget how good this team is like you hear on the national broadcast a lot the the commentators will come into town with the mindset of like oh it's you know this is mckinnon and mccarr's team like guys are good they're like Oh, well, then you have Miko Ranton, and holy shit, he's got 90 points. And wow, Gabe Landis, God, he's really good, too. And Kadri's had an amazing season. And, you know, <laughs> nobody even remembers Devontae's exist. And then you look at his <laughs> stats, and you're like, wow. <clears throat> um, you know, and you just go through the lineup like that, and you're like, you know, they look at Nichushkin, and they're like, is this the same Nichushkin that was the total bust with the stars? <laughs> this can't be the same guy, is it? You know, I mean, um, you just you get the impression that that people just don't know that much about the Avs because they never watch them, and, and it's understandable. It's like their games are on late; they never play anyone fun, and yada yada. Right, but it, exactly, it's the people that think that like McKinnon is really like the vast majority of it and they're like okay too but it yeah it it goes way beyond that like i still don't think mckinnon is the most important part of this team he's still really important i mean mean, yeah i mean you're talking about degrees here yeah you want all the pieces but mckinnon is not what makes or breaks this team Right, but I just I, I think the same mentality is the same reason why you know like he's never going to win the heart and Macar won't win the Norris this year and you know any anytime someone's up for an award like it, it, we can get into the debate about should Bednar be in the Jack Adams discussion and um, it, it's weird like the reasons they give for picking other guys are the same reasons you pick Bednar. Um, and I don't necessarily think he deserves it either, but 
you know, he's done a pretty fantastic job with this club. And if you know anything about X's and O's and even statistical analysis, you look at what the abs do and you're like, this dude does stuff that nobody else in the league does. I mean, this is, you know, this is next level stuff. This is kind of the new wave coaching. Yeah. I think he's the forefront of the, your defense is your offense kind of thinking. And it's like everyone's kind of inched their way there, but he just went full force into it. Like, it's just so much, it's so funny when you hear like, oh, do they have the green light? Or they have, does, oh, McCarr has the leash to do this. And it's like, no, he, he even gives McDermott the green light. Like, that is fully how he wants all the defense to play. Right, and you kind of like that. imagine if if Bednar or a coach with that same mentality was coaching the Predators like four or five years ago. Well, you and wonder like, what he he could do with the team that has talent, like you know Philly before they got rid of everybody. I'd really be curious to see what he could have done there. Yeah, I mean, it's if you think about it, like it should be pretty hard to hang on to Nolan Pratt for another year. Um. You know, like if, if you're Philadelphia, you're probably looking at Nolan Pratt as like a really good guy to have. Like they won't pick him because they're too old school and stupid. But, um, you know, it's like someone that's worked under Bednar and has this mentality of how to build your offense off of your defense. And you then, know, of course, five-man attack talent. unit. Um, but then, you know, of course, you need the talent, too. Like you can say... Uh, all you want, like, oh yeah, our defense is going to drive this. You got to have the horses to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, I I watch Carolina a lot, and it's you know they have some pretty good defensemen. In it. You know, it's like Pesci and Slavin and Shea, and you know, even D'Angelo is a horrendous person. Um, you know, he's been very good for them, but you look at their numbers as far as production. And then they're nothing close to the Avs. And yet they're, you know, a very defensively focused team. Like they really, they do start everything with their defense and breakouts and everything like that. It's very important to their system, but it's just, they don't get the same kind of production because they're, you know, not the same offensive skill and they don't have the freedom. And I thought it was interesting listening to Boudreaux, his, one of his last pressers talking about how how Vancouver they they want to move towards that they want to like of course Quinn Hughes we all know is is of the at least the talent quality that can play that way but just that he, even he says said that they have to move more towards offense from defense and then he said that Colorado's the best at it so you just you see what kind of standard and what kind of model that Bednar and the Avs have set for the rest of the league that they want to try and get to. And right, and and I see like the Rangers doing the same thing. You know, they have Fox. You know, they have their McCarr. Um, right, but you need more than one. That's the and thing. You do, like, yeah. Most most teams have one, right? Like most teams need the power play quarterback, the puck mover, the guy that's going to give you some points, but it needs to go deeper than that. You need to have three or four, at least guys that can right. do it. You need to have a guy on every pair. You need, you need to have it up and down your lineup where you're going to have somebody that 
that is offensively gifted at all times. Yeah. But, I mean, you just wonder how much unused capacity there is. I mean, you just go around the league, like, you know, what could Buffalo do with thinking like this? What could – and I, I think Buffalo actually does they could, a pretty because, decent yeah, they job. Have, um, and they have the talent. Right. Like, if, yeah. if they really could get more out of Darlene and, you know, with Owen Power coming in. And, yeah, they're a team that, that could do it too. Right. Um, you know, if Dallas had a coach that wasn't 75 years old, it's like, <laughs> what what could they do with Heiskanen to, to get him to that level? Like, I don't think he's got the same mentality. As me, but... Well, they need more, too. Like, they need other... Dallas is pretty old, but... Yeah, they are. That's their thing. So, if the Avs have good playoff success, I think it could help the league forward. It's... Yeah, it would be the worst for everybody. Just have like Pittsburgh and Washington and St. Louis do it, and it's the same old guys. Like you want to see forward thinking rewarded. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you look at. I mean, if even if you look at old school teams like that, like John Carlson in Washington and Latang in Pittsburgh, I mean, you know, there's always been that in the background, but it just. You know, how much are you getting out of the rest of your defense? You know, how much better could your team be if, if you know, you kind of knew what to do with the rest of them? And get rid of the old <laughs> Yeah. Like, if you're the Rangers, get rid of Nemeth. <laughs> I can't believe how much they played Nemeth against the Carolina fans and Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> I was like, you're trying to win the division. This is one game to determine all. You got Nemeth playing like half the time in the third period. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I, I don't want to revisit those memories. No. So, we're getting the Preds. We are. Uh, so. These teams have previously met in the playoffs before. It was uh, the year that the Avs made it as a wild card in the 2018 yep. postseason. Uh, Avs managed to uh, stretch that one to six games before falling at, at Ball Arena, then known as Pepsi Center. Uh, uh, this time, this uh, both clubs look very different. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I like the sort of symmetry of that. At the time, we were the eight seed and they were the one. And now it's been reversed. We're the obviously the one and then the eight. Yeah, I mean, I think we, even back then, we gave them a lot to handle considering we had a, a hamburger for a goalie and plenty of other injuries. Um, yeah, I I do remember that series pretty well, especially Game Five because that was the guts goal and yeah. it was a huge deal that they were able to win that one and get the series back to Denver, even though they were terrible in that Game Six. I mean, they um, they just asked too much of the Hamburglar. Yeah, yeah they yeah. sure did. <laughs> that, and that's about as far as they could go, right? Like they just yeah. it was it was almost a miracle that they had made the playoffs after the disaster year and one game 82 and all that. But, you know, it's, it's interesting kind of the journey the Preds have been on since then. They've sort of retooled in a way 
and they weren't good last year. And they were not. This year they've kind of been up and down. Um. So well, again, they they have a really bad coach. Um, you know, I, I think Hines is the kind of coach that he can get you one good year here or there, but this isn't something that you know. I, I don't think if you're the Predators, you can take this season and go into next and, and sort of think you're going to not do a lot and end up with good or better results. Well, it's sort of weird because you had you know, have like huge ba- bounce back year from Duchesne. He scored 13 points last year. He did have some injuries, but goals. still. But yeah, <laughs> he scored 43 or whatever it is. It's just like, and and the whole league has had this weird scoring bonanza. So it wasn't just him, but, uh, you know, he's riding a pretty high shooting percentage. So is Forsberg. We know Forsberg is, is good, legitimately. But, you know, he's also riding the heater. And, you know, Johansson's been better, but probably not to the same degree as Duchesne. And, but it, it does make it, give it kind of a wild card-ish feel, which I guess, Pun intended. They are a wild card team, but like they can put together moments of danger, I guess you could say. But they're just not really a complete team anymore. So, I mean, the Avs really should win this series, but <laughs> it feels silly to kind of assume it. But if you really legitimately believe the Avs can win the Cup, you kind of have to assume they better win Round One. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's just not like the approach, right? Like, it's not being cocky and it's not trying to count the chickens, but it's just like, you're just going to win round one. Like, that's just the way it is, right? I think it's tough just because of the way the season matchups went. You know, obviously, you know, the Preds went three and one, even though two of those were gimmick goals. Um, you know, you had the COVID game, which doesn't count. No, uh, it you had the too many, <laughs> too many men in overtime. The <laughs> yeah. You know, and then this last shootout one. Yeah, and then yeah, whatever happened the other night was maybe not the best game for either team. Um, you know, and and then before that, the Avs, you know, the the Avs smoked him in the first game of the season. Yeah, and that was six years ago. So who cares? Um, so I, I don't think I, I think people are going to try to draw on on what happened during the season to to kind of uh, do a little head to head figuring it. And I just don't I don't think you can take a lot out of this. Um, I, I think it's it's pretty unknown. Um, you know, sort of how you're going to stack these teams against each other. Um, you know the Preds are they're they're pretty top heavy talent wise. Like they don't have a lot of talent, but they concentrate it, and so they're going to have a dangerous top line, maybe a semi dangerous second line, and after that, you got a bunch of dummies, and that's the way it goes. Uh, you got Yossi, you got some okay defensemen behind that, like Eckholm's. I know he scored two goals against us this year, but that's that's not his bag. I mean, he's the defensive guy.
Uh, I've played the same way that the Avalanche will try to. So, um, and then obviously the goalie question. Like I'm not, like I said, I'm not buying Soros's out till I hear it. But you know, even if he does play, he's probably not 100. percent Yeah. So is you know is he going to deteriorate or how much? How well can he play? Um, and he hasn't played for a little while, no matter what. So. Even if he does come in, he's going to have a rest game at least. So, um, you know, what, what you're you're dealing with, Riddich, which I just, you know, I know he played pretty well against the Avs the other night. Uh, it was very frustrating. Uh, but I just, I, you know, I don't see him being able to repeat that. Like, I can see him pulling off a Kemper maybe with Arizona, you know, maybe steal a game. <clears throat> But I think in general, that's that's a matchup you, you put in the ass favor for sure. And I know that like a lot of people didn't face Nashville because you know Saros is good, but it's like Bruce had a pretty good year too. So if you think of it that way, like oh, you look at his numbers, he's like really good. It's just kind of like we we can kind of throw the same at them. So why? be so worried about it. Like, I get it. A good goalie can steal a game, steal a series, perhaps, but like, there are good goalies in the league. You kind of have to overcome that. Right. I mean, you know, the Islanders had some pretty good goaltending this year, and it didn't help them. You know, I I think it's, it's a little bit of a stretch, but you know, this does sort of have the same feel as the first round matchup with Arizona because um, you know, you're, you're, you're dealing with a team that's got flaws, that's got a good goaltender, and, you know, the best they could do was steal a game. For me, I feel like it might go six. And, and I don't think it'd be the worst thing for the Avs to get a little bit tested. I think coasting through a first round hasn't helped their second rounds. I know in the midst of it, I am going to hate a six-game series. It's going to be stressful. There's going to be dumb losses. But at the end of the day, I think grinding through something a little bit more is going to be beneficial. Earl, you brought up a good point about the... uh... Arizona team that the Avs faced in the bubble. That Arizona team was the one that knocked Nashville out of the play-in yeah, round. Yeah, that's right. I was going to mention that, yeah. yeah Surprisingly. That. Yeah. All roads still lead to Arizona. <laughs> huh. Can't escape them. So, and and I know that technically wasn't a playoff round, it was a play-in round, but Kepper's got a playoff series victory under his belt. He beat these Avs in in seven games with Minnesota. He didn't play all the games. Neither did Briz. Some though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he did play some of the. I I just couldn't remember how many he played. Yeah, they put him in after Briz collapsed in the first half of the series. Whatever. Yeah. Um. Okay, I, that goes way back then. You know, it I goes, guess 
I guess I would have thought it was Dubnik then. It wasn't? Yeah, he was hurt. That's why they got Breeze. Um, I, that series that they beat Nashville in the bubble, was that – I can't even remember. Was that a full seven or did they play a five game or a three game or what was that? It was supposed to be a best of five and Arizona won three. Okay. Um, I mean, that's close enough. You know, especially in a situation like that, like a, you know, I I don't think you can call it a fluky win. I mean, you beat you beat a team three games out of five. That's that's beaten. And I think they held Duchesne to maybe like two points in, in that play in. Wow, Matt Duchesne not to play, not producing the playoffs. He was he was already on the team then. Yeah, he's in like year two of a contract. I think year. that may have been his first year with Nashville because that was the trade, wasn't it? That was the he. he no, it he wasn't was the trade. Manager. He had just signed that seven-year oh, okay. deal. Okay, I think he was with Columbus when they beat Tampa, though. That was that was the yes. year Columbus loaded up, and then they could only win one round. Yeah, but it was a big round. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tampa hasn't forgotten. <laughs> That's a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, you know, it's funny. I was looking at who scored the goals during the season series. And um, if you don't count the shootout goal, which you shouldn't, um, Matt Duchesne and Miko tied for the most with each in the season series. Um, you know, I mean, Obviously, Duchesne scored a lot, so he's been scoring a lot versus everybody. But um, you know, that's nine percent of his output for the season. It's pretty good. So that's. I wish there were probably. I, I wish there were more people around from the Duchesne era, and obviously, Bednar was there for a very small part of it. Um, but you know, just to know. What to do against him? Because I, I, I think guys like Landy and Mac and EJ are going to know ways to get him off his head. Yeah, they're on the ice that much against him. Well, we won't have Dean Morton calling this game since he is now officially a former NHL referee. That's so good to hear. No more Bafo, too many men on the ice calls. <laughs> yeah. And, over, and overtime is a full five on five for a full 20 if it takes that long. Yep. No more three on three, no more shootouts. So, yeah, it's both exciting and pretty anxiety inducing. Like, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what they've been waiting for, but it, it could end quickly, too. It's, you know? I think the anxiety is basically going into game one. I, I think if you win game one and, and control it pretty well, then you're not working. Yeah, I think you feel better knowing, like, You've they got won one on the board. Against You've Vegas got last year. two on the board, right? Like, yeah, they, they were up to. 2-0 against them and, and almost you know, you won felt, game you three. Pretty, yeah, you <laughs> felt pretty good. Like at least we got two, but 
I feel okay starting the series just knowing that, you know, they have time. Like, if game one goes badly, it just, like, they'll get it together. They'll get on track. It's, you know, it's going to be scary times. They don't. And I know the narratives are going to come out and, you know, you think Sam Gerrard's going to be the scapegoat if you lose in round one or two? I I don't think so. There's there's going to have to be a big scapegoat. Let's just put it that way. Sam's going to be the scapegoat, scapegoat if they win in round one. Oh, I know. I know. But I'm just saying <laughs> that is more than low-hanging fruit at this point. You're going to have to point a bigger finger. But we'll see how it unfolds. Dave Riddick does have a game one victory over the Avs. He did win game one when the Flames beat the uh, the Avs in game one a couple years back, and then the Avs just ran it back for four straight. <laughs> so that was so, He wasn't big save Dave then either. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess the one last thing left to say is what the lineup might be. They at least had a practice today, so we we have one more day. I I wonder. I'm not sure if they'll practice tomorrow. It'll be more optional. I guess we'll see. I think he said it was going to be optional. Okay, I haven't heard. So, did they actually put up the video today? Yes, it is up. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think it's interesting that they they're keeping Nuke up on the top line for now. I guess that makes sense with Gabe having you know, not having played since. Yeah, I'd say that. That like that kind of mitigates a little bit of rust. Plus, he's hot right now, right? So yeah, yeah. Like if, if we're talking about the last two weeks and people who actually showed up and put their heart hat on, like, he did. You know, he really was did. Good. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> he showed I up. I I thought Makar for the most part had at least brought his give a shit. Yeah. Um, I thought Byron was good. Um, with. Especially with Makar, I, th- I think he was trying, but I'd say those three for sure. You know, Lekkanen also had a bunch of. It's funny with him; he's almost getting sort of the ghost points treatment. You know, you hear some people say like he doesn't have hands or skill, and I'm like, he you can't score goals like that if you don't have hands. Like, there's a reason why Logan O'Connor does twenty goals. <laughs> I know, right, like, it's like the- nineteen, but. That goal was so like the the goal he scored nine seconds into the period um, against uh, St. Louis. I, I mean, that was so quick and so close to the goal, you really couldn't see what he did. But it's just like right you, to be able. Most to people can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe he's not going to snipe a bunch in. He's not going to get a nice wrist shot going or whatever. But it's like. Still, even now, he he's played 16 games with us. He scored six goals, and it's still kind of like, well, Lekkanen's just not going to provide that much. And it's like, hello, <laughs> but yeah. you know, he'll he'll prove it one way or the other. Not worried. Right. I mean, I I think <clears throat> I, I think if you look over the past couple of weeks, and you know, Nichushkin and. Lekkanen have really stood out to me as, as guys that, um, you know, that they they kept on playing well regardless of what was going on around. Um, yeah, I guess amazingly, Comfer wasn't too bad. <laughs> yeah, Comfer was good. I mean, I hate to admit it. It's true. 
Yeah. Being the beard and going with the cop mustache even helped, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's lecking in a new Kelpim. Maybe whatever it is, if he keeps it going, great. You know, if if he's in the middle of one of his better streaks, all the better for the Avs. It just won't oh, yeah. continue forever, but whatever's working, great. Good for him. If it happens for 16 wins, that's long enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Well, and, and moving down to the second line, we're looking at, at today in practice, it was new hook between Lekkonen and, and Gabe, and then obviously Kadri was, I don't know, I don't think sick. So that's going to be Which, his spot. So that's going to be a very interesting line, too. Yeah. Which is a little concerning because, like, Miko was out for a week because he was sick. Yeah. If he has the same illness, that that could be no good. Right. And then you're thinking, like, you know, either Kajiru won't get it as bad or Miko had other reasons to rest. And maybe that was part of it. Um. But yeah, I, it's I, like he, I think we're going to see Nas in the first game. Probably. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're at the point where it's like you got to show up, but it just depends how sick you get. I mean, if you're, if you have no, you know, you're weak or whatever, you can't keep anything down. Like you just can't play, but you're right. We're at the time of the year where you suck it up and you play. Regardless, right. So, so it, it does that's, make, that's a play. very intriguing line. Uh, just thinking of like, I mean, Gabe's probably going to be rusty in game one, but you know, I, I think he's probably going to be a little bit better than most guys coming back from rust just because he's, you know, he's older. Yeah, he's so consistent, and the type of game he plays doesn't need sort of the calibration that maybe some of the others do. Right. Um, and what what he had worked on is, you know, it's not a a hand or a shoulder issue, so it's like there are things that, that he could have been doing alone or with the skills coach that would allow him to, to not be as rusty as you think. Um, but, you know, you, you're looking at that line and if Nas is you know, basically who we think he is, you know, that's that's a really good second line and really difficult to play with, against. It was what? Um, Gabe, Nas, and was it Lekkonen? Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I'd be interested to see that. That that could be a really tough line to play against. Right. And that also I mean, what that line forces you to do as an opponent is tough because like all right, you're trying to balance you know, dealing with the top line with dealing with that line. <clears throat> um, you know, I would imagine at home that the cadre line would would probably go against the Preds' top one. Um, and that, you know, I, I'm sure, I'm sure Nashville would, would not like that, but. Um, yeah, I haven't even had any time to really look at, you know, what are Nashville's lines? How do they stack them up? It's like, yeah, okay. They, they pretty much stack their top one. Yeah. Like, it's, like, that's great. Minnesota and St. Louis have known they were going to play each other for three weeks. I've known that we're going to play Nashville for 36 hours. So what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> and for probably 20 of those hours, I was traveling. So, yeah, whatever. Um, and then, you know, that brings us down to the, the bottom six. 
Um, you know, today the third line was Kubi and Comfort and Lekkonen. Or it was Burkowski. Yeah, Burkowski. Um, you know, which is interesting. And it, you know, you wonder, all right, is that, you know, would Newhook go there or is Newhook the scratch or, you know, what are they thinking? Um, I kind know. of feel like they might scratch Newhook and. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising. I think a lot of people will be surprised, but... I don't think it's the right call, but... Because I think when you need him, you want him fre- you want him engaged. And, um, you know, I, think, I, I think... He just they scratched him. I, I think when they scratched him against Vegas, it was a big mistake. It was. <laughs> and... I know every time you think he's going to come out of the lineup, he gets an assist. It's like, well, you know, he, he brings what he brings to the bottom six is that the ceiling, the talent level, the skill that you're going to need. Now, if they start the series with him as a scratch, I don't think that means he's like not going to play at all. And we do know that Benner likes to set his lineup. And if they win game one, he's going to more than likely keep whatever it was the same. But I think if they have the luxury of playing around with things, they know they want to get some of these guys in. So I don't think like New Hook's just going to be just completely written off, but I have a feeling they might start without him playing. I don't yeah, think I mean, you they, need they, to... they want to have the oldest lineup possible. Yeah, I, mean, I don't look, think New Hook is both... the youngest forward by four, <laughs> four years and three months. You know, it's like with New Hook out of the lineup, Miko is the youngest forward, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> and, like, I know Obey Kubel's easy to scratch because he's the waiver guy and all that, but he has played well. He does sort of bring a different element. And he is one of those guys that's going to get, like, a random-ass goal. Right. I, You know, I kind of see, like, if you're if you're looking at like who might substitute for who on what line, like I think they, you know, Kubel would be the third line guy, yeah. right? Like he's whereas O'Connor there. would be more like yeah. the fourth line fourth guy, line. yeah. And and, and I, don't, I I would I hate to see Cogliano, Sturm, and Helm as your fourth line starting the playoffs. But. I know, but I think that's what they're going to do, and I think Cogliano and Helm are redundant. If I just I. There's Pagliano. some people out I there like that Pagliano, think, but he just doesn't bring anything. He hasn't done anything. Like I, I liked him when he first arrived, but if you're thinking about it, he has one point in however many games it was. Eight, like he, he hasn't. <laughs> like back then when he first showed up, you could at least say like once a game, like that was a really good scoring chance. Like you cannot, you, you cannot say that over the last right. few weeks. Like I can't even. Th- think of anything that he's done and like one good four check isn't enough and i know that there's some thinking out there that helm's been great i think he's been better but he i don't think he's earned unequivocally to be in the playoff lineup i think helm's been fine since they moved him back to wing where he belonged (laughs) well that helps too and, I mean, like, I think the big problem is, is when you have Sturm and Cogliano out there at the same time, it's like you've got two guys that you traded for and they got four points between them. Yeah. And that's like, you need that offensive threat. And like, 
whether they score or not is not the big deal. But if the other team doesn't respect that threat, it, it allows them to negate your forecheck much easier because they can just, you know, they can leave guys open and it doesn't matter because they're just not worried about it. So, yeah, hopefully that evolves. Like, Sturm as the 4C is what he was brought in to do. Like, and they need a real center on that line. Yeah, so, and I'm fine with that. I mean, he's frustrating yeah. with how many chances he gets. Um, you know, I'm, I'm good with that because he does, he, he takes up space in the middle of the ice. And <clears throat> I think out of all four of those guys, he's maybe the only decent defender. Uh, like Helm is very inconsistent. Cogliano, just he's kind of kind of small. And O'Connor, I think, yeah, I think Cogliano's done the least to like earn his spot. Yeah, and, and I think it'd be really easy to scratch Cogliano and put him in later, just because he is a veteran. Like you could take him after not playing for three or four games. And put him in. Yeah, well, some of those guys do better with a little rest and a little jump. Yeah. And that could be a good thing. And then O'Connor, you know, he might be the other scratch just because he hasn't had a good year. And he's the third youngest forward. So yeah, and <laughs> if you want your just... oldest lineup, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is just funny because he played eighty-one games. They finally scratched him once, and. I guess it would be kind of weird to start without him, but I don't think he's earned it either, really. Like, if they want to put him in instead of Cogliano, I think that'd be a great move. Well, O'Connor also might be really good, and he can get that energy, that balls-to-the-wall energy that everybody loves him for. So maybe bringing him in in the middle of a series is a good idea. Yeah. And I think uh, that's what you want with these bottom guys. But I know Bender doesn't like that. He likes the set lineup. He likes to roll with it. But you really could get more out of them if you bring them in at the right time. Yeah. I just, you know, hopefully this is something he's putting a little more thought into than he did last year. Um, and again, I'm harping on scratching Newhook, but I just, I really think that was a sea change in that series. I don't know if it was the change, but it didn't help. And then remember that he he uh, assisted on the Donskoy goal in Game Five, right? It's like, there you go. <laughs> right, it's like you scratch him for two games, he comes in and gets an assist. Um, yeah, I just I I think I don't know I I don't want to call it lucky, but it's just you know he he tends to find ways to help out in big games. Yeah, like he's an opportunist. I and this is what I always say about him. Like if you're waiting for him to drive play, if you're waiting for him to drive the bus, he's not really that guy. But when there's an opening, when there's an inch, he can pounce on it. He is yeah. he, he's a creator in that way. And you don't need much to change to like turn a game. And that's what he can provide. Definitely. <clears throat> and it looks like the defense is about what we all thought it was. Yeah, okay. like I, I'm good with the pairs. You see, McCarthy's, Sam and Not Manson. sure EJ and Byram is the bottom pair. Though. I think that's. I think it is. I, I think Manson and Sam is the bottom pair. 
Uh, I mean, when you look at time on, there's time on ice at the end of the day, there's no way that Sam's going to be at 5-6. I wouldn't say Sam, but I'm just saying that pair. Um, like, Manson's been on the ice for a whole lot of moments. <laughs> and I know, <laughs> I know it's like a bunch of them, like, you know, one third of the time he spent with the abs has been over the last two weeks, which has been a disaster. Um, but yeah, what it is, I know we're going to talk about plus minus, but like, what did his minus end up as? He definitely well, funny, was I was looking at Sam's plus minus since he got put with Manson. And it's it's minus six, and minus eight of that is over the last three games or something like that. Um, well, Sam's most common partner this year, I think, is still Jack Johnson, which <laughs> maybe wasn't good for him either, so... Um, yeah, I just I, I think Manson's just really careless with the puck in the defensive zone. Um, you know, I, I like to, you know, he's put up some points lately, and I think that's good. I mean, I think that's something for his confidence that, that it's good to have. I mean, I think when he sits back at the blue line is when we get some problems with him getting turnstiled and, and people come up past him. You know, I think when he's a little more aggressive in the offensive zone, it kind of saves some defensive zone issues. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that worries me during a playoff series. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of Graves. <laughs> and, you know, Graves had his ups and downs, but, like, he was just as much of a problem in that Vegas series. So, yeah, yeah I guess, guess we'll see with how that goes. And I like Byram and EJ, like EJ, I think they were good the last however many games they played together. I think it was three. It was either two or three. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think they might be the second pair because I just I think they've been a lot more effective than Sam and Manson. Uh, I mean, it depends how much they want to mix and match. I think because as a pair together, I don't. I'm not sure I see them playing that much more. But if they're willing to mix it up and have say like Byram and Sam go out on some shifts, then you could see it kind of shake out that way. But I don't think like, they do. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Sometimes, sometimes they don't want to mix it up at all, and it's kind of weird. See, the problem with that is, is that forces them into playing Manson and EJ together. But you know that they right love the idea of that, right? You know they. Love no, they the don't because they're both right-handers, <laughs> and right-handers are terrible playing on the left side. But they love like the the defense together. But you're right; the two righties is usually not not a good idea. But they love the idea of like the two defensive guys. Maybe that's when you split up and you put Taze with one of them for more of like a defensive look. Right. Like I, you know, like Taves and Byram together. That's a fun defensive look. They've never really done that much, though. I think it'd probably be. They haven't done it much, but it's a. It's actually pretty effective. Um, you know, like Taves and Sam together. We know how how well that worked. Um, you know, you look at their numbers together. It's not a huge amount of time this season, but it's, it's their shot metrics are off the chart. But so I'll just be thrilled to see Byron in a playoff game. It's like you know, 
It took a long time for us to get here. Yeah. And, well, it's, you know, we've seen, like, Bo is a guy that definitely rises to the occasion. Yeah. Yeah. It's just how aggressive you want him to play, but for sure. Like, to me, I think he's the ultimate X Factor. Like, I mean, just no team has a player like him in reserve like that. Not even reserve, but you know what I mean? Like, someone that doesn't have to play a lot. Someone that is, like, your ultimate wild card. Yeah, I mean, I, that, I think you, if you look at both Byram and Newhook, you know, the, the only guys born in the 2000s on the team. <laughs> I mean, they could really confound some opponents um, just because there isn't a lot of data. There isn't a lot of there isn't a lot of ways to counter what they can do. So, yeah, that, that part I'm really excited to see. Um, you know, I like, like I said, I, I think Byram and EJ work good together for the most part. You just worry about EJ because, like, he looked good because he had a rest, right? Like, he was fresh, and then it was like, okay, this isn't bad. But when EJ starts to wear down, then you're just like, ah, <laughs> you know, that I'm a little concerned about that. But, you know, I... I think it's a right call. I think it's the right six. I think EJ's probably, he's kind of like that engine that runs best right before it blows up. <laughs> <laughs> I guess just ride the condor as, as far as you can get. Right. I mean, <clears throat> I, I think there should be questions whether he comes back next year. And this is a topic for another day, but. Um, you know, you can kind of see if you're Eric Johnson, like, you know, this is probably your best shot and the best you felt in years, and you got to take advantage of it. So, you know, I, I see him having a, a good playoffs until, you know, either they win or he blows up. <laughs> he breaks himself, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the Ryan Murray thing to me is just hilarious. I... <laughs> I just, I don't know why there's this thought out there that, like, he's inches away from playing because, you know, Benner's whole, yeah, we're healthy, but he's not cleared. But it, it's like, he's not going to be cleared until they need him. Let's just put it that way. And whether he's cleared or not doesn't really matter. Uh, right, because he's not going to play. Well, like, it's like, if it mattered, he would have been cleared last week and could have gotten a game or two to, to shake the rust off. And it's like, yeah, now... He would, have he would have played in Minnesota if he was even close to playing in this series. Now, well, I mean, again, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, you know, his situation has put you um, where he's going to have to come in rusty in the middle of a series if you have to use him. And that's not good. Well, no, but I mean, I mean, I think they'd use him before, say, McDonald. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm not even sure they'd use him before McDermott. Now, I know that they don't really think of McDermott as a real defenseman. I guess it would depend on who's out and why and what they need. But, yeah. I think, like that's, he, no, I think that's safe to say. And I, I think that's sort of a hot take. And... Um, no, I don't. I don't think it's that hot at all. I mean, obviously, 
I mean, just from what Jesse had written down today, like you saw, like you know, McDermott and and JJ were the the fourth pair with Ryan Murray moving in every once in a while. But um, right, it's know. just like Bednar wanted everybody to get geared up for the playoffs, to get ready, to get reps, you know, whatever. And that he missed the time, and it maybe it was super bad luck for him because it was the broken hand or whatever. So yeah. it's like that could happen to anybody. But it, it was just truly the last thing he needed. Like Benner didn't like him that much to begin with. Everyone's like, everyone's like, oh, he was so good. He was good for three games, right. and I looked. He was good up. for three games and got hurt, and then <laughs> and now it, he's missed his window to get back into game shape, and and. You know, Bednar is pretty particular about putting guys in, you know, when they're yeah. not in game shape. Right, and he'll do it because Landy's Landy. But other than that, like, nobody is going to play in right. that kind of Yeah, I mean, it's like, with a superstar, it doesn't matter. But, like, with Ryan Murphy, you're like, I don't know. Right, oh, like, he almost could use AHL conditioning, right? <laughs> like, right. <clears throat> I, I don't even know if they could do that. I don't think so. Playoffs, and probably not. But you know, and I looked it up when he played those three games. They're the, those were the only games that he played over seventeen minutes. Like him playing "quote unquote" great, still bought him seventeen minutes, which is more than what he was getting. And I don't know if people realize it either. Like he's only, he only played the entire year like seven more games than Byram. Like that's yeah, how he much played thirty seven games. Yeah, I mean, not even <laughs> half a season. Yeah. So, you know, it and will it's be tough because all right, like those three games, like if that's who he is, if that's who he can be, like yeah, that's a guy that can help this team. If you know, if it comes down to putting someone in the lineup that's not part of the starting six, I mean, yeah, you take that. I mean, you take that over Middleton or McEwen or any of the other goofballs down there. But, but I guess with McDonald coming up and having one of his another, you know. And he always looks good the first game, right? Like, he always gets, like, 50 million Corsi, and then the game deteriorates. But McDonald was up with the team he did play. Like, does that even put him on the table? I mean, I, 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 put, I think it puts him behind me. Yeah, I mean, probably. that would. If, if it gets to the point where you're considering flash. McDonald, you're probably about to <laughs> shoot yourself in the head anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think there's a, a huge... Lining up that they're going to spell EJ with Murray like pretty soon. Like by say game three, they're going to spell EJ. It's like, I don't even think that's close to happening. No. Like, I mean, I could, they'll put JJ in way before they'll put Murray. Right. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, they're not going to spell beyond that. It would have to take an injury. And then I, I think it depends who it is where they are in the series, who they're playing, you know, would they even play McDermott? You know, they they probably will get him in it forward at some point, I uh, think. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, honestly, like, that was a message from the league to have him <laughs> stay on the bench. I, I really don't think he's going to play much at all, but I could see them sprinkle him in it at forward, but... It's just <laughs> that, but anyway, back to Murray. It, it's just hilarious to me the whole like, oh, but he's just not cleared. <laughs> You're like, Bednar hates answering questions about him. You notice like half the time he changes the subject, and then it's yeah. like, oh, he says Murray's pretty close. It's like, did you even hear how he answered that question? 
Yeah. I, he was asked, oh, Murray was out there. Yeah, he was. He joined the group. You know who's going to join the group soon? Gabe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, 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 I think. Really I mean, a question about Murray. I mean, I think Bednar is just frustrated with somebody that can't stay healthy. And, it, you know, I think he realizes it's not Ryan Murray's fault. But No, well, the, you just the other can't thing count is he, he didn't like, it's not like he liked his game before that is the other part. Right. But it, I mean, you put Ryan Murray in a, in a game and you're just like, well, when's he going to get injured? What do we do then? It's like, how, <laughs> how much of a band aid is this? Well, if you were like super excited, like, Oh, this guy's friendly, healthy. I, I love what he brings. It'd be one thing. If you were like, you know, he just never fit in all year except for maybe three games. And I, I think I even look back, I think they were playing like Arizona or something back then. It like wasn't even anyone good. Arizona that, smoked us. <laughs> maybe not that, but it was like, blood. Maybe like Philly or something. Where... <laughs> You're right, those are tough games, but when I looked and saw who the opponents were when he played quote unquote great, it was like, yeah, that might have been a reason why they're two. But we'll see. I, you know what? I mean, if they go on a long run, I'm sure he will play at some point. I just don't want to know why. Because I think Benner is right. If they do want to win the cup, they're going to need everybody. All of the scratches are going to have to play at some point. They're going to lose some guys just the way it goes. But, you know, I... It's a good thing that they can start with everybody and and see where it goes. And the funny thing is, is like you can't really see any black aces coming. Oh God, no, no. I mean, it, it'll, don't it'll bring Annan up uh, just because they'll need a third goalie. Um, but other than that, I mean, they might bring Misk up too, like just so they have like two practice goalies, so if Kemper and Frank need to rest or something like that. But I mean, other than goalies, like I. You know, I I just don't see. I mean, maybe if maybe if Sampo comes back, I I haven't heard anything. It's like, is he close? Does anyone know? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like they may think about that. Like obviously, if if Olison um, doesn't need something major. Yeah, I mean, it, if he can't. If he can't play for the Eagles because of you know what whatever's going on, he can't play for the Eagles because he's a prospect. So why he's not going to play for the Eagles? I mean, he's legally allowed to, right? Um, but I'm just he's saying, just like, not if going he, to. right? If his if something's up with his shoulder and he can't play, you know, or, or it just doesn't make sense for him to play competitive hockey, you know, then I could see him practicing with the Eds. Um, I mean, I think I think they'll still do the standard, you know, eight black aces because it is true. Like you're going to go on this playoff run, you don't know what you're going to need. Like I know that they would really rather not play any of those guys, but I mean, I just I I don't see with 25 guys on the roster that you need that. But it it, it's kind of like you can't go back and get them. You know what I mean? Like if they go home, that's it. So you might as well keep a few on hand. 
You're just going to. Like, it's going to be I McDonald's. I mean, again, it's like if you're dipping down into the Sakura. Well, sure, sure. Realistically, you're done. But you can't have yeah. that mentality. You can't say, if we have to, God forbid, play some of the Eagles, we're done. You can't say that. Yeah, you can. Because, like, if, if you're playing that, then, like, Mac, Miko, Gabe, and Kadri are all out. And you're just like... Who cares? Play with it could be the, it could be like Helm and Cogliano, and you know it could be the old dudes. Like when does that happen? Oh, let's see. <laughs> oh, our worst players are hurt. Whatever are we gonna do? <laughs> I anyway. I'm still saying I I think that it, they're gonna bring like eight, probably the standard eight guys. Whenever the <laughs> Eagles are done, we'll see when the Eagles are done. They they think they're gonna go on this run. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes, but. They won't get past Stockton. But... Oh, God. I don't think you're going to play Stockton. Right. I'm just saying, like, that's a hard stop. For sure. <laughs> It'd be something for them to even get to the Western Conference, but. Before we go into some predictions on how this series is eventually going to wrap up. Uh, we did a little interesting thought experiment on our last episode about who would wind up as the predictive star over the course of the last eight games and the respective predictive scratch. And I guess we can all look back and have a nice little chuckle about our selections on all of these. Uh, to recap, Earl, your prediction was Nazem Kadri would hit 90 points. He finished with 87. That was close. That was very close. Uh, you also mentioned that Miko Ranson might hit 99, but not quite 100 points. <laughs> that was before we knew he would be ill. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We did not know. Sure. Hence the term predictive. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie, your predictive star was Makar would hit 100 points. He finished with 86. I was hoping. You were. You also did say that uh, Rantanen would also get to 100 points, except the 100th point would uh, be stolen from Makar getting 100 points. So, Rantanen did finish with 92, so he was close. Yeah, he could have challenged for it if he didn't miss those games. Too bad. For sure. They might have scored a power play goal, too. Yeah. We could have had at least two power play goals to talk about in these last eight games. (laughs) Better than 4%. Woo! (laughs) Uh, My predictive star was that Kemper would get to 40 wins on the season. He did not. (laughs) <laughs> he finished with 37 so he had more wins than uh, we than he had when I talked about him last so I guess that's still something uh, we also discussed uh, as a little bonus question whether the Avs would go on an undefeated April since they were undefeated at the last time we all recorded <laughs> Earl was the optimist Jackie and I were not <laughs> Oh, the irony, right? We were talking about, could they finish undefeated in April? Yeah. Oh, boy. 
That would have been fun, but figures. The one time we actually have losses to talk about, none of us were around the microphones. So are we going to say it all who our star was, just briefly? Yes. I'll take the easy one. Nuke. <laughs> I'll take Lekkonen. Yeah, those are two good ones. <laughs> you see, you get the tough one, Vlad. Uh, you know what? Uh, since it's the last one of the regular season, I'm going to give it to Confer. He, he played well enough to get some recognition. Okay, I'm on board with that. And the predictive scratches. Earl, your predictive scratch was Confer. I got hosed on that call. Uh, Jackie, you had a potpourri of selections, including the entire fourth line. Our favorites, uh, JT Confer, Curtis McDermott, a new hook scratch, which did happen at one point here in the, these last few games. But you ultimately settled upon Curtis McDermott, who, <laughs> as luck would have it, scratched himself out of the lineup after the uh, collision with Felino in Minnesota. So I'll say that's about half, right? <laughs> And my predictive scratch was a poor face-off output for the remainder of the eight games. And the Avs had some good games where they had over 50%, and then they had some games where they were under 50%, but the results weren't there. So I'll, I don't know if I want to say I was half right. I'll say I'll take, I'll take the L on that one. I don't think I, would, I got that one very very. I didn't hit that one at all. So, yeah. I think they did have some good goals off. Um, face-offs, though. So, I, again, I think percentage is a poor way to measure your effectiveness in that area, but it's what we got. As far as the real scratches, oh boy, that's like everybody. <laughs> yeah. The whole team, everyone on the power play, goaltending. Yeah. Not good. <laughs> And you think this would be easy, considering we had trouble finding them for the balance of the yeah, season? Yeah, and now it, now it's like the other way. Now it's like everybody had a bad. So who can you? Who can you, you isolate? One, you know, you went two, five, and one. So I'm truly scratching everybody on the first power play unit. We're all terrible. Every single one of you. If you make me say a name, I know I've been tough on him this year, but McKinnon was not good these two weeks. I know he didn't have Miko, but not good enough. Four games. Yeah. But he had Nuke on fire, Lekkonen pretty good. There were some games where he wasn't he wasn't checked in at all. <laughs> so... I'm sure he'll respond by having another 20-point first round. So, <laughs> What say you, Earl? Uh, I, I'm just going with everybody. I, I just think... <laughs> hey, I ever... picked a name. If I had to pick a name, you have to pick a name. Um, 
I don't know. I, I mean, I really don't have much besides low hanging fruit. I mean, ah. I mean, everyone he was, he wasn't even on that trip. Or, you know. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I, I mean, like, Pagliano is the guy that keeps coming to mind just because... That's fine. He he really has done nothing. That's right. pretty true. <clears throat> and I hate to do it because he's kind of likable and kind of want to see him succeed, but... He had a few, my... like, good chances that he passed out of, too. Yeah. So, I mean, that's fair. And Vlad? Well... It was bound to come down to this. I am scratching the goaltending, both of them. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, eight games, you got to do better than one win. And even with Frank, the last game in Minnesota, come on. 58 <laughs> seconds. Yeah. Come on. 58 seconds. Happened far too often these last two weeks, that's for sure. Yeah, so I'm taking the, the goaltending as a whole and Frank's poor performance against both Seattle and Minnesota, and I saw that Seattle performance live. Come <laughs> on. And while I appreciate uh, Kemper coming up with a win against the Blues, I I would have definitely liked to have seen a little bit better than that, so... Yeah. Those that would be my scratch of the last uh, eight games here. Predictions. How is this first round going to shake out? I'm saying abs in six. I'm going to say my heart wants to say abs in five, but I think that we'll probably have to suffer through at least three games of Bridgestone Arena crowds. So, yeah, I'm going to say abs in six. They want to win five. That's cool, though, because I'll be there. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a series clincher, so I'd be all right with that. Timeline. <clears throat> I would be okay with that as well. Matt Duchesne will finally get his wish of playing playoff <laughs> hockey in Denver. That's true. <laughs> Maybe he didn't outright say in Denver, but... <laughs> The implication may or may not be there. At least once upon a time. Okay, so speaking of the first uh, few games here, uh, Game 1 is scheduled to start on Tuesday, May 3rd. That is a 7.30pm start at Ball Arena. Same start time for Game 2 on Thursday. The Avs head to Bridgestone for Game 3. That is a 2.30pm Denver start. And game four, a 7.30 p.m. Denver start at Bridgestone. If need be, the Avs will return for game five on Wednesday, May 11th. And again, if need be, they will head back to Bridgestone for a game six. And 
if this should come to pass, Game 7 will be on Sunday, May 15th at Ball. So those last three games, time to be determined if they are needed. Good luck. Go team. That works out pretty good. At least I can watch two of the first three live. I think allegedly, even though Altitude will have the first round, it'll be like last year where you could watch on Altitude or the National Network. They're not going to black it out. So I might be able to watch all of it on regular television. Yeah, I think what we get the first game on ESPN and then a second and third on TNT. Yeah. Yep, game one is the ESPN game. Game two is TNT. Game three, also TNT. Game four, ESPN. And at least from what I've seen, um, it's going to be Bob Wichowson and Kevin Weeks doing the games. I, that might be Brian Boucher between the between the uh, benches too. I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's not. Who's the god? Uh, Dave Butchergrass doing. I think the Florida Washington series. No bench. It'll be nice to see the, I don't know, I don't mind starting on Tuesday. It'd be nice just watching on Monday, watching some of the other series, and then getting ready yeah. to emotionally plug into ours. Yeah, it's nice because the canes are on the opposite of us, mm. so I could, at least I can see those. But yeah, we'll... We'll see how this series goes. Depends on when we're next show will be. So it's over quick. We might wait. If there's the series drags on, we might have stuff to talk about. When you look at it, like obviously game three is the game that, you know, you're sort of scheduled loss. Oh, <clears throat> um. You know, it's like if they lose game four, that's pretty much game over anyway. But game three is when, if the Avs win two at home, that would be if Nashville's going to get back into it, making a series. That's when it's going to happen. I kind of hate it that way because it's the pressure you have to win your first two at home, but they kind of have to. But it's a lot to say. You better win two games in a row. I mean, what, you know, with what you were talking about with their road road problems, um, I don't know if they look at it the same way. Um, you know, but if there is something to that, like you definitely want to see them take care of business in the first two. I would say that there's probably enough. Uh, memories in the locker room of two blasts of a shot from the point from Ryan Graves that got blocked that turned into a Mark Stone breakaway, which led to the Vegas win in game five in round two. And they don't want that to be the last memory. They want to get rid of that. So they'll probably want to have a good start for game one and 
once they get that, they should be off to the races for game two. So maybe it could be that easy, or time will tell. Nashville will definitely want to split, so will they get it? Probably not, but... Yeah, like, I would love to see the Avs come out and score three goals in the first period on Tuesday, but, you know, the problem with that is is Nashville's kind of a goony team, so uh, if you get into garbage time with, you know, 45 minutes left in the game, uh, that could be counterproductive. But you also can't leave a team hanging around within a couple, right? It always seems like there's one blowout and then there's there's always one overtime game. And it's like you have to win that overtime game to win the series. If that overtime game is the only win for Nashville, I'm cool. (laughs) But see, the thing is, like, it ends up not being the only one. I don't want two overtime games. Yeah, I hate well, overtime. It's way too stressful. It is <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's like that first five minutes of the period. Like that's pretty much when all the goals are scored. Like after that, it's just back and forth. Yeah. the The worst is when you get like six or seven minutes into an overtime. You're like, they're not scoring this period. I have to sit here and watch this, and it's incredibly stressful. <laughs> Put the coffee on. It may be a late night one of these. Unless it's the afternoon game, and then you don't have to worry that much. I was going to say, <laughs> except for Saturday's game, they're all going to be late nights. <clears throat> now, I'm, I'm planning on watching Tuesday's game Wednesday anyway, just because there's just no way. Not on a school night. Can't start a game at 9.50. The Avs being the second game, those games aren't going to start at 9.30 or 7.30. So before we uh, wrap up, we are uh, we're almost three hours into this one, if you can believe that. But we've had a lot to we've had a lot of ground to cover. So any final thoughts on Just yeah, we play. talked a lot about the games that we weren't going to talk about. Say just win and stay healthy, please. <laughs> here, here. I will say, make Matt Duchesne's dream come true for four games. <laughs> <laughs> And then he can sing a song in Nashville about it. That's what they do out there. Singers, they sing. So until the uh, next time you hear our voices, which could be soon or not as soon. We appreciate you hanging out with us and listening, and we will talk to you next time.